Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Especially when you start talking about the, the Dogecoin. <laughs> and they talk about how, well, that coin was is a joke. They don't get the joke because Bitcoin is the same thing. I mean, that that's the point. <laughs> is that anything you can say negative about Dogecoin, you can say the exact same thing about Bitcoin. chance alex cooper no <laughs> shot no f- chance dude not not like this we got nominated for uh hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Uh, best podcast again. The Streamy Awards. Uh, thanks yeah, for the, guys. Thanks for the round of applause. We got nominated for the Streamy Award. Best podcast. Yeah, thank you. Here we go. Oh, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you for continuing. I don't know why you do, but thank you for continuing to watch Support and listen us. to this podcast. And if you do, thank you. Uh, hit that subscribe button. We really do love you guys, and it is a huge honor. And we are competing against some notable podcast, Jay Shetty, back on the list. That motherfucker. You know, I think we can all agree, f- Jay Shetty. You know, <laughs> f- Jay Shetty's so hard. I'm just kidding. He's a f- he's sweetheart. He's, he's changing the. He's changing the world. He's, he's the so best. great, dude. He's the best. And uh, but, uh, a- Alex Cooper, who you opened with, and w- and what was your message? You don't think you don't think uh, no shot, Alex Cooper. No, f- no shot. Shot, Can I dude. tell you something, bro? Well, she's gonna win. Yep, hundred percent. When I say no shot, it's she, she's winning. 100%. Bro, I was so sad. I like texted my mom and dad. I was like, "We got nominated for a streamy," and then I found that out. I go, "Never mind. Don't, no. even, don't even show up." No, no, but here's the thing about it: how did she's on Spotify exclusive? Like, are they? That's why. I know. I'll tell you why. <laughs> Best podcast. She is a podcast. She's, a, she's audio yes, only. Yes. Uh, syndicated and mm. picked up by Spotify. One of the best in the business. And we, if I'm being honest with you, although we are a podcast, and if you're only listening to this, do you even know what we look like even? We're a YouTube <laughs> show is what we are. We're a YouTube show veiled and disguised as a podcast. And maybe one day we'll go audio only. We've even talked about it, but our audience doesn't seem to to like that. They, they think we're too hot. <laughs> <laughs> also nominated um, crazily, airily, Hayden Hillier-Smith. For for editing, okay. uh, you know, actually, Hayden Hillier Smith for editing, Logan Paul's editor. Uh, Logan produced uh, one piece of YouTube, four. F- f- four pieces of YouTube content this year, but they deem that uh, to be enough for the for the best editing nod. Nod up against uh, Emma Chamberlain, which was a, a strange addition to that category. You see her editing. She has the best the best vlog channel on YouTube, ha- absolutely hands down. She I've makes been, it makes a mean cut, bro. But it it. Yeah. I guess makes a mean cut. Yeah, maybe. She's it's crazy. Got, she's in the podcast thing too, so she might actually win. Uh, dude, do you know how Emma Chamberlain's that- Emma Chamberlain's in both of our categories? Yep. No, she's in the podcast. One no, she's she not. 
Yeah. She has a podcast. She has a podcast oh, then, dude, she's winning. Not. Nah. She's, nah. she's bro. I wouldn't be surprised. Bro, do you have any idea how, how high she's uh she charts? Not higher than Alex Cooper. Nah. Nah. Hard cut. Nah. She. <laughs> Oh shit, she'd be that. Oh shit. Nah, nah. Well, it depends because Cooper's Cooper's Spotify is Spotify only. So on Apple, obviously Emma rocks her shit. Well, at least now. Apple? I think on YouTube we'd be we'd be rocking pretty hard. Yeah, we got YouTube locked down. Hey, listen, let's keep our let's keep our hearts in the right place. Maybe we'll take it home. It would be nice to get the voting thing, by the way, the streamers is like other people pick it. I think it's paid. I think we probably could write a check and get that fucker. Logan. Come on, to be honest, I think we can I buy it. Me, I would, I would like another streamy. I and haven't even, had a streamy yet. And even if we like didn't have one. enough money to to buy the award, our guest today definitely <laughs> fucking does. Let's go. Our guest today is an economist, a financial broker, author, and one of the most prominent figures in the world of finance today. He's famous for predicting the 08 economic crash and is a staunch opponent of cryptocurrency. He's the host of the Peter Schiff Show podcast. It's Peter Stiff. <laughs> Peter Stiff. You see what I did there? Don't, don't give name. away my porn name. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, he goes, uh, before he walked in today, he goes, Hey, uh, my friend said, uh, that's how you talk in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Only in his mind. <laughs> no, he said, my friend, uh, said you interview a lot of porn stars. So watch this. I, I made, I did a, I did a com up, uh, stand up comic yeah. sketch about, well, you know, he's not just my friend. He's your landlord. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. He's, a, he's the guy that rented you the building. Oh, which by the way, <laughs> You know, it, this was this building used to be a county courthouse, and there was a jail on the where you have your gym. Hilarious! <laughs> I knew you guys would end up there. I knew you guys would end up there. <laughs> so, in many ways, we're just still behind bars. That's fascinating, dude. So, we turned it into a boxing gym downstairs. Right there, there was an actual gym upstairs. Oh my god! Above so the above just, the courthouse. How so, long? Yeah. Wait, how long have you lived? You you're you know. Well, no, Puerto well, Rico, eh? I just know the guy that bought it. Okay, okay. And I watched when he was you know, redesigning this building and yep. he showed me around and I saw the jail cell downstairs. And But by then, the, you see the tenant was gone. No inmates? No, no. It's but wild. I, I don't, and I don't know how long the building was on the market before this guy bought it. Mm. But mm. it was before I got here. Well, look, dude, we are happy to have you. We've You and I have tried to do this <laughs> for probably a year, I think. I don't know if it's been that long. But. We were in each other's emails, I think, a yeah. while ago. Yeah, we met at that dinner yep. at um, at Mark's house. Yep, yep, absolutely. Mark's condo. Yeah. Yep. So, dude, you're 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 fascinating. You're, uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't really know what you are because you are a lot of things. I just watched you do a, a stand up comedy routine. Yeah. Well, I called myself a stand up economist. We should have him explain it proper because calling him anything stand up related, like that's a passion of yours now, obviously. Well, but what do you? But what are you known for? No, well, well, that was that was in an event in New York. It was a competition. It was a lot of reporters, and somehow I got invited to mm. compete in it. I ended up getting second place. You, you, were, I, you were funny. I, I don't remember the lady who won, but the, I remember who came in third. I don't know if you ever watch on Fox News, Charles Payne. No. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah Charles, yeah, yeah. A Republican, black guy. And he was funny. He came in third. Mm. And I forget, you know, who else was there. But I remember Charles because I've been on his show a number of times. So I like I, I like Charles. But that was like I forget if it was a charity event or, or or why I did it. But it was New York Funniest Reporters. But what I do for a living is I manage money for people mm. mainly. I mean, I have other businesses as well. Um, but that's that's the my main business. Let's cut the shit, Peter. Yeah. You're rich. <laughs> 
I'm probably not as rich as you. Oh, 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 here we go. We got a dick swing. No shot. <laughs> George, well, I am, you want to talk actually, about being I poor? I am a little older than you, so you, maybe you haven't caught me yet. But I think you're, I certainly wasn't at your level at your age. But regardless, you're definitely known for both your wealth and your knowledge of wealth and your knowledge of moving wealth in the correct way. And and it's it's funny because you are against cryptocurrency, right? That's like part of the shtick of Peter yeah, I'd be Although I'd be a lot wealthier had I bought some when I first heard about it, right? I mean- Well, I heard, I, I heard you did. No, no, I've never bought any. Wait, oh, wait, you wait, didn't lose- Wait, wait, huh? isn't there like a famous thing you lost all your Bitcoin? Oh yeah, but I didn't buy those. Those were given to me. How many? But well, it wasn't even a whole Bitcoin. It's not like I had a bunch, right? But people gifted me. I had this wallet that I got. And actually I did this debate with this guy, Eric Voorhees. In New York City, it was like a big, you know, years ago. And he's mm. one of the, you know, crypto, original crypto guys. And so I did this. It was a Soho event. It was a Bitcoin. You can see the debate on uh, on YouTube. It's got a lot of views. But we went out to dinner <laughs> after the debate, right? And so Eric takes my phone and he opens up a wallet for me for crypto. This is the first crypto wallet I had. And then he transferred me $100 worth of Bitcoin. And I transferred him back 50 and I walked out of the dinner with $50 worth of Bitcoin. Mm. So that was my wallet. And then at some point I put my wallet out there on Twitter or something. Somebody had said, hey, where's your wallet? I'll give you a hundred bucks. So I put my my um, my wallet out there. Oh yeah, it was Anthony Pompliano. He has oh, Pomp. Pomp. So Pomp said, I'll give you a hundred dollars. Put out, give, what's your, so I put out my address. Mm. Pomp never sent me the hundred dollars. But a bunch of other people sent me money. And I had about, you know, I don't know, seven grand, you know, worth of Bitcoin. I think I had about <clears throat> a quarter, a third of a Bitcoin, not quite a half a Bitcoin. And so I had that in my wallet. And I had a couple people sent me. I had some Ether. I think I had maybe one other mm. currency in there. But anyway, so one day I went to my wallet to kind of see, you know, what I had in there. <laughs> and I couldn't get in. It said my password wasn't valid. And I only knew one password, which was this PIN number, which I had like, like you know, for an ATM. Mm. That's all I knew. So I couldn't get in. I contacted the owner of the company. They couldn't figure out how to. I said, well, it's gone. I didn't. I said, well, what's your seed phrase? I never knew my, no one ever told me my seed phrase. Oh. But a lot of people made fun of me because I thought the wallet forgot the password. I just didn't realize that I never knew the password. Mm. The only thing I ever knew was the PIN. And once the pin stopped working, because they, I don't know, they, they did something with the software and they said, okay, you got to put your password in again. So I, my, my Bitcoin are out there. Nah. I just have no access to them. There's a lot of Bitcoin that are out there that a lot of people don't have access to. Oh yeah. Do you I know think the, a third the, of them have been lost it's or something ins, like it's that. It's insane. I, I don't know the stat, but it's just floating in the ether, never to be claimed because someone forgot a password. I was going to make, I was going to jab at you a little bit. I was going to say, maybe someone who can't remember a password doesn't deserve to have Bitcoin. <laughs> I never knew but my password. I know. No, so my you, I know. But I, know. I, had, I had this conversation <laughs> with Chase yesterday on the, on the, on the plane ride down here. And I said, <clears throat> you know, as of right now, a lot of the action around Bitcoin and, and Ethereum and cryptocurrency in general happens within this silo of people. It's a bunch of this. There's new people getting in every day, of course. But I believe that the experience that you had will act as a core obstacle for the inherent uh, use from the overall and general population. You, you are working with a currency that if you lose your password, you lose your money. Yeah. It well, is you know, the but only... That 
that's not the main problem with Got Bitcoin it. because you know you can you can drop <laughs> can you it. There imagine? we go. He's like, and look, that's why Bitcoin uh, sucks. Look, look, you can lose. Look, you you can you can lose cash, right? I've, I've, sometimes you know you walk around. There's a twenty dollar bill, a fifty dollar bill on the ground. Someone dropped it, right? They lost it, right? If you're careless, you can lose your cash. Um, and so the same thing can happen with Bitcoin. The big problem with Bitcoin is it's not money and it's not really currency. It's just a digital token. And it has no actual value other than the fact that people believe it has value. You, now, you were describing currency. Well, in a way. Fight. In a no, way. you're I describing am. currency. <laughs> what is, what but, is fiat? What? Right. Well, a lot, in fact, a lot of people didn't even know what fiat was until Bitcoin people came. People started mm-hmm. using the term. Right? Yeah. Fiat currency. Yeah. But before they had fiat currency, we had legitimate currency. And the difference between actual currency and fiat currency <clears throat> is that when you have real currency, it's backed by money. Right. So what is the money that gives currency value? Well, money is a commodity. In the United States, legally, money was gold or silver. So gold or silver was our money. But instead of carrying around your gold, you could carry around paper mm. currency that was backed by that gold. So what gave the currency value was the gold that backed it up because the paper itself didn't have any value. Mm. What gave it value was a metal, gold, that was behind it and you can you could redeem your paper and get gold. But we went off the gold standard completely in 1971. We went off it, you know, we started to go off it in 1933 with, with, with FDR, but we went off it completely. And when the dollar, or the Federal Reserve, though, was no longer backed by real money, it just became fiat. It just became currency that's backed by nothing. So in that sense, Bitcoin and current US currency have that in common in that there's no intrinsic value in our currency. But it still functions as a medium of exchange. It functions as a unit of account. Um, it is legal tender. Um, you know, if you want to pay taxes, or not if you want to, when you pay your taxes, <laughs> the government demands, <laughs> right? The government demands that you pay the taxes in dollars. So everybody needs dollars to pay their taxes. So there's a, you know, there's 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 a need for it, right? Because if you don't want to, you know, go to jail or something, you have to have dollars to give to the government you know, on April 15th. So that creates some type of value for the dollar in that it's your get out of jail card, right? Because the government is demanding that you you pay it. But also, you know, there's a long tradition of use and acceptance in fiat currencies. People, you know, people are more likely to accept it. But over time, it's going to lose value. All fiat currencies lose value over time. And eventually they become worthless because ultimately the governments abuse the ability to continue to issue them. And I think we are headed for a currency crisis in the United States. I think we're printing way we're too there. much. We're there. Wait, wait, you've, you've, done, you've done this once before. Done what? I've predicted a, a, a crisis in the US. <laughs> well, no? the financial crisis, yeah. sure. We interrupt this podcast to bring you a message from our sponsors. Nice. Does cryptocurrency get your dick hard? Oh, it doesn't? <laughs> well, guess what will? Blue Chew. Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Say it with us. Blue, Blue Chew. Chew. Blue Chew is making waves and bringing more confidence to the bedroom by offering chewable tablets that can help make it stronger and longer lasting erections. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder, stronger erections to combat all forms of ED erectile dysfunction. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and you're approved. You'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. 
so if you could benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code Logan at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code Logan to receive your first month free. We thank BlueChew very much for sponsoring this episode. Let's get back to the podcast. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I, I have in my notes here, famously said, the United States is like the Titanic and I'm here with the lifeboat <laughs> trying to get people to leave the ship. I see a real financial crisis coming for the United States. So you predicted it once and well, you're saying it's going to happen again. Well, the real the real crisis that I'm predicting is a currency crisis, not just the one that happened in 2008. The financial crisis was part of my prediction because I saw that coming early on with the housing bubble and the mistakes that the Federal Reserve made back then. But I always believed that the consequences would be a dollar crisis because I knew that when I was forecasting the 08 financial crisis, that the government would make the mistake of trying to bail everybody out and prop everything up, that they would slash interest rates and print all this money. And I knew that that would ultimately cause a crisis in the dollar. I just didn't realize it would take so long Mm. because the financial crisis happened 12 years ago and we still haven't had the dollar crisis. But I think that crisis is coming. You know, a lot of people think they're prepared for that crisis by owning Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies, but I don't think so. I mean, I think there could be a crisis in the cryptocurrencies long before there's a, a crisis in in you know national fiat currencies. You're, let's call it the currency crisis. Yes. What does it look like? <laughs> well, it looks like inflation, right? So, and we already see that now, right? You can see the beginnings of that. There's a you know a lot of inflation that's now obvious. You can see it in consumer prices. Mm. You've got the government telling us not to worry about it, right? Because it's all transitory. But if you remember. Early on in the financial crisis, they said, don't worry about the subprime mortgage problem uh, because that's contained. And, you know, I was saying at the time that they were wrong, that the Federal Reserve was wrong, that it wasn't contained, that what we saw in subprime was the tip of this huge iceberg. And, you know, I was right about that. Well, the same thing is happening now. I mean, the the inflation problem is as uh, transitory as the subprime problem was contained. But then what does that look like? It looks bad, you know. What happens? Well, as an American, what a lot of people don't seem to realize is our whole standard of living is a function of our ability to take the paper money that the Federal Reserve creates and buy all the stuff that people all around the world produce. Mm. So we exchange money we print for the stuff everybody else makes. Well, it's a lot harder to make stuff than just print money. Right. In fact, they don't even have to print it anymore, that they just create it digitally, right? The, the, the Fed just conjures it into existence <laughs> in the bank accounts. And then we go on and we buy stuff <clears throat> and we have a service economy, right? Most people in America don't go to a factory and make anything, right? What they do for a living is they provide some type of service, but we buy all kinds of stuff, right? You go into a, into a store and buy stuff, where is it made? I mean, look around your studio. None of this equipment is made in America, 
all of it is imported. In other words, made in Germany or- I or, was made or, in America. Huh? I was made in America. Well, I'm talking about the stuff. <laughs> I'm, a hefty piece, I'm a hefty piece of equipment, my friend. This, all right. This, this is us. This is horrifying. Uh, it's, it's horrifying. And I'm asking questions because I, yeah, I, yeah. I want to know the answer. And I, I know it looks hor Like, is this the apocalypse? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be pretty bad. But at one point, you know, before you were born, even when I was a kid, everything, all the electronic equipment was made in America. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't buy something. I mean, if it was made in Japan, it would be junk, right? People used to make fun of stuff all the time. that was made in Japan, yeah. right? Because it was crap. Yeah. We made everything in America. We manufactured all the stuff that we now import, but we don't do that anymore. Uh, and, and that's a lot of that had to do with regulations and taxes that made us less competitive, but also because of the Fed keeping interest rates artificially low, we didn't save. And so we didn't do the capital investment required to build all this stuff. But our whole standard of living is based on our ability to export paper money that we print. And that's because the U.S. dollar is the primary reserve currency. So all these central banks around the world want dollars. Oil is priced in dollars. You know, we people buy oil uh, from OPEC. Even if you're in Australia and you're buying oil from Saudi Arabia, you're paying U.S. dollars, right? So people need U.S. dollars for a lot of things. A lot of uh, transactions you have maybe Brazil is doing a deal with Japan. They're not even using yen. They're not using real. They're using dollars. So the dollars are being used outside the United States. And all that benefits us because we print them. It costs us nothing. And we send them out there. And we get product, stuff. Product. Right. <clears throat> but the problem is we've borrowed all this money. We have a tremendous amount of debt. We can't finance it. So we have to print more and more money. And as we print more money, that decreases the value of the money that's out there. And I think at some point soon, foreigners are not going to want to just hold on to our dollars. What they do with the dollars is they invest them in U.S. treasuries. Right. They buy government bonds. But those government bonds pay next to nothing. The yield on a 10-year treasury is 1.6%. On a 30-year treasury, it's about 2%. But inflation is at least 6 <laughs> so But it's probably more like 10 or higher. So you're a guaranteed loser if you hold on to U.S. treasuries, especially if you're looking at them from the prism of one of our creditors who has to look at the value of those treasuries in terms of their own currency. And so as the dollar starts to sink, our, our creditors are losing a lot holding on to those treasuries. And I don't think they're going to want to do it. So I think that the dollar is going to collapse. And then we're not going to be able to import stuff unless we can export something else to pay for it. Right now, we have a trade deficit every month of about $80 billion. So you look at a trillion dollars a year. And if you look at all these ships, you guys, you know, out in California, yeah, Long Beach. all these, yeah, all those ships that are coming to Long Beach and San Pedro Just and Los stuck. Angeles, right. They're, they're, they're loaded up so high with containers. Some of them fall off in the ocean on the way over. And I heard that that whole situation <clears throat> isn't as uh, simple as it's being explained either. Cause from what I understand, trucks are going there every day and they're leaving empty. They're well, not getting loaded with the containers. But the, the other thing that's empty is when the containers go back to Asia, they're empty. We got nothing to put in there. Yeah, of course. It's one-way trade. What are we exporting nowadays that, that is of matter? Like, what, Well, you know what? We we export raw materials, like agricultural products God. or you know stuff yeah. that we dig out of the ground or we grow. It's like we're a colony. I mean, all the real stuff is done 
outside the United right, States. Right. We ship China raw materials and they ship us finished goods, Product, yeah. right? The high-end work is done over there. We used to do all that ourselves when we were a powerful industrial country because we had more economic freedom, we had limited government, but now we're just living off the printing press. But when all of this changes, when the dollar crashes, Americans are gonna have to live within their means. And what that means is we're only gonna be able to consume if we produce. Oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not going to be able to do that. Yeah. I, can't, I can't do plants and, <laughs> and, 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 and we can't, we, we can only borrow, right, if we save, right? Americans right now are borrowing for everything, right? People buy stuff, they have no money, they buy it on a credit card, they have all kinds of gimmicks now to Not buy even to mention and, leverage, like, and how people invest. All that, look, <laughs> yeah. I mean, all that's going to go away. I mean, Americans aren't going to be able to borrow to buy cars. You want to buy a car? You need the money. Right? You can't just you know finance it over eight years I've, with nothing down. All that's going to stop. I have so many questions. One I want to yeah. ask just right now is, are, are you preparing for this? Like, are you a doomsday prepper, basically? Well, I'm prepared. Like you have that, a farm and you're self-sustaining. Well, no, I, I, I'm i not prepared move on to, to that it? degree. But, you know, you know, if you come to my house, I mean, I've got- Firearms. Well, and, and, but a we've tank. also got provisions. You know, we got, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have to go to a drugstore. I can shop at my house. We got a lot of- we got a lot of stuff. We'll go to Peter's. We'll go to Peter's. He's got the, drugs, guys. When the currency crisis happens, we'll go to Peter's. We're doing drugs. But we got hard crack. No, I, I got like things, things that you know. But no, I have you know I have real money. I have gold and silver. I so have a lot I, this of foreign is what, this stocks. Is, I have a lot of my, well, the way I prepare financially is I don't have a lot of U.S. assets. Wow. I mean, I not have even tech assets. assets. Hmm? Not even tech. I mean, tech stocks. Yeah. No, I don't. Well, you know, the U.S. tech stocks. We have some good tech companies. The problem is they're real expensive. Yeah. You know, I'm a traditional value-oriented investor. I don't want to pay crazy prices for companies. And you know, when everybody wants to buy something, it's typically overpriced. Well, how do you so, how do you are you basing that on multiples? Uh, like, yeah, a, you ba base it on multiple to their earnings. You it. can look at their dividend yields, EPS, look at the book value, right. a lot of ways to value yeah. stocks. But see, right now people just buy stuff because it's going up. Doesn't matter what it's worth. I mean, that the ultimate is cryptocurrencies, right? Because cryptocurrencies, and again, they're not really currencies, but they're not like an asset in that they don't pay a dividend, they don't pay interest, they don't pay rent, right? They don't throw off any income. They're not like a commodity that you can't use it, right? Oil, you can use it to drive your car. You know, soybeans, you you know, you could eat them, right? Gold, you could use it you know, in consumer electronics, you can make a watch out of it, right? Gold is an actual commodity that people use, but nobody uses Bitcoin for anything. What? You just gamble with it. Well, that's not true. Well, what do you do with Bitcoin? I you don't have own that much Bitcoin. No, but if you did, big, just answer his question. I'm a big NFT guy. Well, same thing. I mean, I mean, all <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a, well, P Peter, the answer is anything. Well, what the can answer you do is anything. With, well, what the answer, can, no, I can, I can do anything with Bitcoin. Well, can no, you can't. Name one thing. I can, can do thing. anything. What? Well, buy a Lamborghini. No, 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 no. You're, well, what you can do is you can exchange it. You can't, it's not a Lamborghini like you could drive it. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, well, hold on. Do second, with the we'll, Bitcoin we'll, itself. Well, what can you if do you with just, again, a dollar? What can yeah, you do with the dollar? Yeah, yeah, why is it? No. Again, you can use a dollar to get something. He's saying you can't use a Bitcoin. No, you can't. No, that's not what he said. No, I'm agreeing that the dollar. Paper, the physical paper dollar, right? I mean, obviously it's a piece of paper. I mean, you know, if it was softer, you could wipe your ass with it. Yeah. But I mean, because it's physical, yeah. but it's not the greatest toilet paper. I mean, maybe <laughs> if, if that's all you had, you might use it. Would you know? But, you know, you could scribble a note on it in a corner. You know, you could, you know, but you can't really do much. I agree that there's no intrinsic value to a 
paper bill. So, so what's your intention but, when you go on these these rants about Bitcoin and just, you know, this <laughs> dang cryptocurrency? I do want to know what your intention, honestly, because like, are you, not in an offensive way, I'm just curious, are you the type of person to be like, here's the problem? Or are you the person to be like, here's the problem, here's the solution? Well, there is a problem. The, the current monetary system we have that is no longer based on real money, right? Gold or silver, it's just fiat currency. That is a problem. Bitcoin is not the solution to that problem, mm. right? Bitcoin is helping people get rich who bought Bitcoin early on and who are selling it now, right? Those are the people who are making a lot of money. The people who are buying Bitcoin now are going to end up losing a lot of money in, unless they're able to sell it at a higher price before it crashes. What, what about the, the industry's uh, continued adoption of Bitcoin that kind of spits in the face of that argument? Because I, up until six months ago, I would have sat on this couch and played the same team as you. But as you continue to see American tech, American financial institutions, American investors become more and more bullish on Bitcoin, on Ether, on all of these coins, at what point are you the only one sitting on the other couch? Yeah, you know, I've seen this before, right? If you go back to the 1990s with the dot-coms, yep. right? Obviously, Wall Street really got behind uh, these companies. They brought all these companies public that were losing money. The stocks ultimately went to zero. But what attracted Wall Street to the space was they saw an opportunity to make money. Mm -hmm. The public wanted this crap. And so they, they basically sold the public what the public wanted because Wall Street is always looking for the easy path. Like, I'm not going to try to convince you to do the right thing. If you're willing to do the wrong thing and I can make a buck off it, that's what they're going to do. Sure. So basically, you know, Wall Street was attracted to the money. The same thing is happening in crypto, right? Mm. A lot of these Wall Street firms that were saying the same thing as me, this is ridiculous, it's a Ponzi, it's a pyramid, it has no value. Some of these firms are now actively involved because of the money, because the price is so high and they're making a lot of money either booking the bets or bringing public companies that are in the space. And, you know, there's a lot of people that have been attracted to the industry based on the, the paper money that has been made on the appreciation. And, you know, this is typical of any kind of bubble. You get all sorts of misallocations of capital. This is unfortunate and it's part of the problem because a lot of smart people are now wasting their time. We're wasting a lot of resources and capital creating cryptocurrencies. There's about 13,000 of these things now. And then you have all these NFTs that have been created So, too. so this, is what, this is what I wanted to ask you. I, 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 I believe that and to, to correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you don't believe in Bitcoin. Well, I believe it exists. It exists. Yes. I don't I'm believe saying, it's it, money. Yes. And yeah. do you believe in its future? Do you believe in its use case? No, Obviously I, don't not, think, right? I don't think it has a future <clears throat> and I don't think it has a use case. Okay. So my question is then, let's zoom out. Yeah. Do you believe in the blockchain? Well, blockchain is totally different from Bitcoin. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, mm -hmm. so well, now you're talking about NFTs. Now you're talking about a bunch of other random tokens, 13,000 of them. Do you believe in any of those? Do you believe well, in digital assets? Do you believe in NFTs? Or is it the same, like, this isn't real, it's all just fugazi? Well, it depends on the asset, you know. Now, if you have a digital currency that is backed up by a real asset, let's say you have a digital currency that is backed by gold. It's like a digital warehouse receipt for gold, just like the original paper currencies were backed by gold. That that works. That's viable. That makes a lot of sense. That is, makes it easier to transact in gold. And so a crypto backed by gold can be a money substitute and be a viable medium of exchange 
unit of account, store of value. So that's fine. Now also NFTs, to the extent that they're attached to something real, right? If you're going to have title to real property, to real estate, to an automobile, I mean, there are a lot of ways that you can utilize blockchain. The, the problem is that so far, nobody's actually doing it to a big degree. I mean, so right now, the main use of blockchain is to create cryptocurrencies to gamble on. But in the future, maybe the blockchains will be used in more productive ways. I don't know how they're going to be used, but it's certainly a very interesting technology that has a lot of potential applications. But that doesn't mean that these digital tokens that are currently utilizing blockchain technology, that they have any value whatsoever. But that's where everybody is focused because people have made money buying them, but they've only made money buying them because they can sell them to somebody else. Correct. I think there's, I think there's hope for you, Peter. It sounds like you believe in the blockchain. Well, what, yeah, but that has nothing to do with Bitcoin or any of these what? worthless currencies. No, 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 he's no right, I get he's where right. he's coming Cri from. Bitcoin, Bitcoin's a cryptocurrency. Your your digital assets is something he's in support of. I think we need. I think we definitely need a revolution when it when it comes to digital proof of ownership because everything's done digitally. But nowadays. it's proof of owning a physical. <clears throat> like I hear people, you know, like Michael Saylor all the time is talking about how it's Bitcoin is digital property, and he keeps talking about how it's so much better than actual property. Because, you know, it's, it's not like real estate, he said, because real estate, you have to pay property taxes, you have maintenance, which is true, but I can live in a house. I can get enjoyment out of a house. So, of course, I'm going to have to pay to maintain an asset that has value for me, right? I don't do anything with Bitcoin. But like, but, it, but as a, you're starting to be able to do more and more. So, I guess my question is, why is the idea of fiat paper any more feasible of an idea than a worthless digital Bitcoin because, because Tesla will allow you to drive off the lot with, by exchanging well, Bitcoins or, well, or, or Walmart well, or whoever, like, yeah, you're saying two, two wrongs make a right. Correct. Right. Correct. It, and if, which one's more wrong and, and one gives power to people and the other gives power to government. Now, my situation on this has always been, Everybody that we talk to about crypto on the show has the same belief. You can't regulate it because it's decentralized. <laughs> and I and I always crack a smile and I say, dude, listen, when the government wants to fucking regulate, they are the regulators. They will come in and they will squeeze the fuck out of you until they've regulated the unregulatable. They can do it. Whether it's a tax squeeze, whether it's a criminal squeeze, they'll find a way if they want to. So like you're starting to see these Chinese regulations start and that crackdown beginning over there. Do you think regulation is, is, is coming down the line for crypto? Well, it is definitely coming. I don't think the government feels threatened by crypto. I mean, if they did, they would have you know, hammered, you know, cracked down on it sooner. But what they do want is to get in on the action. That's what the government, they see people making money in crypto they want to tax it, mm -hmm. right? That's what they want. Yeah. They want a piece of the action. They want their cut. They don't care if people end up losing money. It's just that between now and then, they want their tax revenue. But they also don't want people using cryptocurrencies to uh, circumvent a lot of their anti-money laundering yes. uh, uh, requirements. And Which so, is happening, let's be right. honest. And of course, all of this, you know, they talk about anti-money laundering 
as if they're going after terrorists or drug dealers. That's just the ruse that they tell the public. It's really all about tax compliance. The governments want to make sure that average Americans are paying their taxes, not the super rich, right? Because they have loopholes to avoid their taxes. Mm -hmm. It's the little guy who is cheating on his taxes because he can barely get by. You have a lot of small business owners. A lot of guys work for cash. They're not paying all their taxes. Though That's who the government wants. I mean, that's why in this Biden plan, they had this new thing where they wanted every check of $600 or more. They wanted the banks to tell the IRS, claiming that they're going after the billionaires. Look, the billionaires aren't evading their taxes with $600 checks, right? They're looking for the little guy. So what they don't want is for people to use Bitcoin to somehow get around all these reporting requirements. So they are gonna crack down and the, the cost to actually do anything with Bitcoin is going to go way up because all of the companies that get that touch it are going to have lots of new, you know, KYC, know your customer, anti-muttering, AML requirements that are going to be very, you know, expensive to comply with as far as the regulation and the uh, employment compliance costs. And so it's going to make it even less attractive to use the currencies. When slash if that happens, what happens to Bitcoin, the price of Bitcoin? Does well, it plummet? Bitcoin can crash before that happens. I mean, I don't know what the pin is. I don't, I, to I'm, I'm, by the way, I, to all our listeners, I should say like, I am, I'm a peasant in this room when it comes to like knowledge of, of cryptocurrency and the <laughs> blockchain. But I, I just, I don't see any other event that big that would plummet bitcoin other than some sort of government federal it's regulation. happened before without well, any kind of any, not, i'm any talking change. about a like well 20 we saw it happen multiple times we're at 40 to 50 percent drops i know with we're just no, we're just we're just, just so much bigger drops. but we're so much weird yeah <laughs> bitcoin's so much bigger now than it was like Correct. Is, you know the higher you are yeah. the more there is to fall well remember you know when it went up to twenty thousand the first time right people were saying oh, the big volatility of the past is gone. You know, we're not, now that it's, you know, so mainstream and now that it's so high, you don't have to worry. And then it went from 20,000 to 3,000, right? So it has the- Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big 80% drops. Uh, and then, you know, it went it went up to 65,000. And then a couple of weeks later, it was back down below 40,000. I mean, now it, it got pumped back up again. But... The idea that, hey, you just have to accept this kind of volatility as par for the course, Bitcoin can easily drop 80%, you know, in the next week. Yeah. And then there's no guarantee it's going to come back. It could drop another 80% and then another 80%. People just look back and say, well, every time Bitcoin has gone down, it's come back. It's only been around for 10 years. <laughs> There's no historical <laughs> data. There's And, and, and listen, my, my belief on it too, it, just to add on to it, is that there, there may be even more risk now because you have whale holders that are industrial buyers and more than anything, you have these absolutely insanely leveraged positions on on cryptocurrencies that a, that a 30 or 20, 30% drop could liquidate a mass portion of these leveraged oh, yeah. holders. There, there are a lot of people who have big gains in Bitcoin 
they have been reluctant to realize those gains. A, they don't want to pay the tax. Correct. And B, they're afraid of missing out on future appreciation. So what they've done is they've borrowed against that Bitcoin. But you know, if the price starts to drop, they get a margin call. They don't have the cash. Their Bitcoin just gets sold into a vacuum because you get these four selling when there's not a lot of buyers and then the market starts to implode and that triggers more margin calls as the price goes lower and lower. So I think there's a lot more vulnerability now in the market. I think some of these institutions that have gone in, you know, these guys are not hodlers. Like they're not in forever, right? <laughs> they're in it as a trade. Yep. So they got in, they want to jump on a bandwagon and make some money, but they have trader mentalities. They will cut and run. If they see a big break and they want out of that trade, they'll take a 20, 30% loss and they'll move on. We've seen right? it. They're We've not going to go down with the ship yep. because they're not, you know, you know, like religious fanatics about Bitcoin. They only saw it as a way to make some quick money. And if all of a sudden they see they're losing money and the trend is turned, they'll get out. And one thing, ironically, that could do it would be a big move up in gold. Because one of the, the reasons that Bitcoin has gotten so popular, Bitcoin started in about, what, 2011, right? Gold at 2011 hit 1900. And over the last 10 years, you know, gold's 1800. So gold's gone nowhere. Mm -hmm. And Bitcoin's gone from nothing, pennies, to 60,000, right? And so everybody wants to compare gold to Bitcoin. In fact, when they, you know, represent Bitcoin in a in a physical form, even though it has no physical form, they they make a coin, they gold make it coin. gold, yep. they make it look like gold. It's counterfeit gold, right? It's fool's gold <laughs> because it has none of the properties that gold has. It's not an actual metal. You can't conduct electricity with it. You can't make jewelry out of it. You can't you know put it inside a uh, a filling or you can't use it in aerospace. I mean, gold is a the most useful, valuable metal on the periodic table. And Bitcoin doesn't have any of those uh, characteristics. But it looks like it. But they, they pretend that <laughs> no, it's gold. No, no, there's a, there, some guy got in trouble for selling logo, these on yeah, the street because yeah. it, it it's a little gold Bitcoin is a B with like money signs through and it. Usually yeah. it has like laser shooting. Yeah. Like data it, well, it helps. It. Uh, uh, again, the human race, very simple species. And it's yeah. it's hard to imagine this, this cryptocurrency yeah. floating around in the ether because that's kind of all it yeah. is. So putting something yeah. physical to it helps us. Yeah, yeah. But see. also they want you to think you're buying gold. That's why they say they have Bitcoin miners. Nobody's mining Bitcoin. They're solving math <laughs> Wait, problems. Wait, you're telling me there's no guy with a pickaxe no, and a no, helmet no. on? It's a, it's Stop. A, yeah, so, but they want to act like it's gold. That was like part of the, uh. the, the, the con. But over the last decade where Bitcoin has been on the scene, gold has been going sideways. And, and that's enabled the Bitcoiners to say, you see, this is better than gold. It's the new gold. It's gold 2.0. Gold's not going anywhere. Well, what they forget is that the 10 years before Bitcoin came on the scene, Gold went from under 300 to 1900, oh, so 10 true. years. That's so right. gold had this huge move. And which, has it done that kind of parabolic move no, uh, historically at other times? The only time you really saw that big a move was, let's say, in the 70s. Got it. You know? But we had a big move, and now we consolidated for a while. And you know, remember, people, during the last 10 years, you had a big boom in the stock market. Everybody was risk-taking. Everybody wanted a big return. Gold is a safe haven. It's a store of value. It's not a get rich quick scheme. It's a, I don't want to go broke. It's if you're rich and you want to stay rich, you buy gold. It's not about getting rich. Yep. And so when you have this 10 year period of consolidation, now all of a sudden Bitcoin has the spotlight. But I think gold now is getting ready to break out of this phase. I think gold is going to have another big move similar to the one it had uh, from 2001 to 2011 
where it could go up 5X, 10X, right? A big move. It, and when that happens, all of a sudden you destroy the, the, the reason for Bitcoin because now real gold is going up. So why settle for a cheap imitation? Are you expecting that to have happen uh, at the same time <laughs> as the currency crisis right now? <laughs> well, it, I think, do they go hand in hand? Is what I'm well, asking. Got, right, but I think gold will start to move up before the currency crisis because that will be gold's way of telegraphing that the currency crisis is coming. Okay. But where the currency crisis, the way this happens is so the dollar really starts to fall, prices start to rise. The Federal Reserve is now in a box because. It has to do something to stop the dollar from falling and to fight inflation. That's the choice that Paul Volcker made in 1980, because he came around at the end of the 70s and you had all this inflation that was created really during the 1960s with Lyndon Johnson, uh, but then Kennedy and uh, in the 70s, I mean, I mean uh, Nixon in the 70s, but it really started with the Great Society programs, Lyndon Johnson in the 60s, right? He took over after Kennedy died. And we had the Vietnam War, War on Poverty, Great Society, printed a lot of money, ran deficits, and went off the gold standard in 71, mm, right, with mm, Nixon. Yep. And, and so we had the double-digit inflation, we had the stagflation. And Volcker comes in with Reagan, and Volcker's like, okay, we're going to put a stop to this. And interest rates went to 20%. Right? And it was 20% interest rates that broke the back of inflation, plus Ronald Reagan coming in, Government's the problem, not the solution. We're going to make government smaller. We're going to cut regulation. We're going to lower taxes. So you had like a free market uh, a president and you had a tough Fed chairman putting interest rates at 20%. Well, now you got the Federal Reserve. We're going to be faced with an even bigger inflation problem than the one we had then. But at a point where America is a very different economy, because in 1980, we still had trade surpluses. We weren't. In 1980, we were the world's biggest creditor nation. Now we're the world's biggest debtor nation. So we're the mirror image of what we were. But imagine what would happen. Now you're the Federal Reserve and inflation is accelerating. The dollar is tanking. And you've got to raise interest rates up to maybe, let's say, even 10%. Right? Forget about 20%. Well, what would happen to the U.S. economy if interest rates went from zero to 10%? Right? Everything would implode. Right? I mean, banks would fail. I mean, the government would have to default on its debt. I mean, people keep saying, if we don't raise the debt ceiling, we're going to default. Well, if interest rates go up to 10%, we default too, because we can't afford it. We can't make the payments. There's no, there's, there's not enough tax revenue to support it. Dr. Doom. That's what they, that's you know, what they, that's what they, they call you, Dr. Doom. Not right? anymore. Okay. See, Dr. Doom, yeah. when I first started going on this network, CNBC, <laughs> right? I started going on CNBC in 2004 and I started predicting what ultimately was the 08 financial crisis. And because of those doom and gloom predictions, they started calling me Dr. Doom, right? Right. Now, after all my predict predictions came right. true, <laughs> right, after my predictions came true, they just stopped inviting me on. That was, that so, was that's, so that's what I was going to ask you, <laughs> right, man. Right. And all the you, people who got it wrong kept coming back, and they're still on to this day. The, the reason I ask is because, you know, having that moniker, that, that name, you know, it, Dr. Doom or being called that, and right now, you know, all these Bitcoin billionaires, you know, and all these all these guys on Twitter and Elon, they're the rock stars. All the parties in Miami <laughs> and the Bitcoin convention. You get invited oh, to yeah. those? You get invited to those parties? No, no, no. No. <laughs> you know, the funny thing too is when I used to go on like CNBC and and, and talk about 
some of the same things that the crypto guests talk about, you know, reckless Federal Reserve, fiat money, right? And I used to say, you know, the, the, what you do is you get out, in, out of the dollar and you buy some foreign stocks, you buy some gold. Everybody made fun of me. Everybody laughed at me. And generally, they actually questioned my integrity. They said, come on, Peter, you can't actually believe this. You're just saying this because you want people to buy gold. And I'm like, look, you know, I'm just talking the truth. The fact that, you know, they should buy gold. I mean, if, you know, I mean, because I would say you got all these people coming on, you know, talking about stocks and they all work for firms that sell stocks. <laughs> you don't you don't say the same thing to, to them. them yeah. Why is it just me? I come on and you say, well, I'm just trying to talk my book, but nobody else gets accused of that. But now you get all these crypto people because CNBC is basically an infomercial now for cryptocurrencies. I mean, I, I, I said they should call it, you know, CNBC is crypto news Bitcoin, right? That's what it really stands for. <laughs> right, right. All their advertisers are cryptocurrencies. Right. And so the advertisers basically call the shots. Are you pumping so, gold right now? Is this a pump? <laughs> <laughs> hey, How much gold you, have, you, you hold, can't you pump gold. Gold, you, gold is too big a market to manipulate. Yeah, correct. But these cryptos are illiquid. And these guys come on CNBC in the crypto industry, huge bias. They come on and they have these pie in the sky predictions and nobody ever calls them out on it. And in fact, nobody laughs at them. Nobody makes fun of them. They're like, oh, really? You know, so they're very interested in all the gloom and doom predictions, as long as you're using it to tout Bitcoin or some other cryptocurrency. But the minute you you bring up gold, then, you know, then, you know, they'll, they'll laugh at you or they don't want you on the other network. So is this <laughs> is this a shtick then? What is, is this? Are you a Peter Stick? I'm Peter Stick. <laughs> like, like, do you really not own Bitcoin, and and or do you, do you pair your belief in gold with your disdain of Bitcoin because you know one of them gets the media's attention and one of them is actually a valuable well, piece of information? I mean, I don't like Bitcoin for the same reason I don't like fiat currency, right? It, I I want real money, and 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 just because we can you know use fiat currency doesn't mean that Bitcoin is going to work just because the dollar has worked as a fiat currency for 50 years. There's a big difference between legal tender U.S. dollars and just and Bitcoin. And of course, you know, again, there's 13,000 cryptocurrencies or something like that. They're, they're creating new ones every day. So there's nothing unique about Bitcoin other than its name. You know, most of these other cryptocurrencies that are coming out could be better, faster, cheaper. Was was, you know. was Bitcoin uh, the first to it market? It was the first, first cryptocurrency. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. significant. But so what? Who cares if it was the first? Does anyone ever? Unfortunately, say everyone. The first fake. Everyone. Everyone yeah. cares who's first. So my, well, I don't and know. especially I mean, if you've done it right and you've created something that could like change the the course of finance. In no, but look, I mean, look, you know, look, look at your uh, electronic equipment around here. I mean, we're not using the first microphone. You know, we're not we're not using the first camera. I mean, the uh, first camera sucks compared to the cameras we got now. Who's going to use the first one? We're still using the wheel. Well, yeah. not the first wheel though. We got much better <laughs> wheels now than the first. The first one was probably made of rock. rock. But the technology. <laughs> but the technology. The genius. Yes, but of but putting that, something round under right, right. something heavy. This comes yes, up every you know, show. Yes, so bit, yeah. Don't get me started on the wheel. Um, Again, so Bitcoin's going to go the gotta, way gotta, of a rock wheel. But you know, people, all the Bitcoiners want to say, "Hey, you know, I'm like, you know, I, I'm like a horse and buggy, right? Because I don't recognize that Bitcoin is the automobile with rubber wheels or and, rock and, wheels." And, and, I, and, I, and I'm stuck on a horse. But you know, I, I don't see Bitcoin as, as 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 an improvement on on fiat at all. You know. Uh, I, I, and it certainly isn't an improvement on gold. I mean, gold was a much better form of money. But what if you're just, do people ever say to you, okay, boomer? 
Do they call yeah, you they okay. say it all the time. Okay, because <laughs> who, the hell, because, who the hell made that dude, up fuck anyway? those people. They, they say people <laughs> they say, say L ratio, you fell <laughs> off, fuck them, dude. All I'm saying is, all I'm trying to say is this, like, like, what if the, a large portion of your argument is just based on this traditional moral dilemma yeah. and this classical <laughs> way of thinking that you will not let go of because no. you're like, the Beatles no. were the most important band, which they were, don't get me wrong. But Drake, like, Drake got more but, slaps than the Beatles, no, Shut up. No. But listen, what I'm saying to you is like, what if you realize one day and you're like, damn, I've just been holding on to this because yeah. I refuse to like evolve- yeah, it's more, uh, you know, wisdom and experience. It's not that Got I'm it. just- Nah, you go, you're going down with the no, shit. No, 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 because every generation, you know, thinks that they've invented the wheel, right? Every Everybody thinks that their parents and grandparents don't know anything, right? I mean, I've, I've seen all this stuff before. Sure. I mean, you the people in their 20s, they didn't live through the dot-com bubble, right? They don't I, They don't remember <laughs> what the emotions were. I remember what people were telling me. And then of course, like the housing bubble happened right after it. I remember all the crazy things that people were telling me about how their house was never gonna go down in value. And I listened to what some of the Bitcoin people say. And some of it is the most ridiculous crap I've ever heard. What's an example? And especially when they start talking about gold, because at the same, they'll tell me when I say, well, Bitcoin has no value. I say, well, gold has no value either. So when you say something that's so obviously ridiculous, I mean, it's not called a precious metal because it has no value. I want to ask something here and I've been waiting. This is a perfect moment. Yeah. I want to hear from the horse's mouth directly. <laughs> why is gold so valuable and why has it been the most precious metal mm -hmm. for thousands of years? Yeah. I'm talking about the history of gold. Yes. And why Well, still? one of the reasons, remember, so, you know, we had dinner the other night uh, a couple of people there are these treasure hunters that were at the at the dinner with us. Remember? Wait, wait who? It was well, Bill, Billy Zane and his partner. This guy, I don't know if you know the other guy, but they, but, but th that's how come I came to that dinner. By the way, by the way, you know who Billy Zane is? I don't. I know he, Billy. Mays. He played the. He played the. On Titanic. He, he played the, the like guy. the bad guy in Titanic. Oh, I hate that guy. Yeah. Well, but, I don't like that Titanic. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. the way, I was going to tell him that. I was going to oh, be like, "Yo, fuck he, you!" He in Titanic. represents a horrible part of my childhood. Yeah. But that yeah. means he yeah. did a good job. He was, job he was at role. this dinner. Oh, yeah, one hundred percent. He did a good job of the role. He's a treasure character. One hundred percent. He's a treasure hunter. Yeah, that's what they're doing. One of the things they're doing. What? But they so they look for ships that sunk. 500 years ago, like off, you know, and they go and they try to get the gold. Kind of ironic, and huh? Wait, wait, is that why they were there with you? Titanic. Well, that's one of the, <laughs> that's one of the reasons I went there because I think Brock wanted me to meet them because he's also interested. They okay. want to do a reality show also on, on the treasure ships when they're looking for, you know, sunken treasure. We need to talk but, to these people. I wouldn't <laughs> mind spending some time on the boat. What am I finding a treasure? But the point of this is if they find these ships that sunk 500 years ago, and they find the gold, it will look exactly the way it looked the day it sunk. That is one of the properties of gold, right? Gold does not tarnish, it does not decay. Uh, it is exactly the same, you know, at any point in the future. I mean, the gold that we're pulling out of the ground that was there a billion years ago, I mean, that's the same gold. And gold also has lots of properties as a metal that other metals don't have as far as it's, it's it, you know, how ductile it is or, uh, different things that you could do with it, how conductive it is for electricity. So, there, I mean, there's there's a reason that gold is in jewelry. I mean, you know, my watch is not made of copper, right? There's a reason that- Are we, stu are we stupid? Are we stupid because we, we, we like it because it's shiny? Well, that's also a good thing, right? It's shiny, right? I mean, but that's what I was like, Why do we it's care? Pretty. Like, we're, fl we're flying towards it. the light. Because we're a bug flying for the, towards the light, dude. That was so the question. But, but, but being, being beautiful, being aesthetically pleasing 
is valuable to human beings. So I mean, fuck all these people. We get it. I feel you. Right. I, I mean, you know, I mean, look at all these, you know, these rap stars or these guys that all their bling. I mean, it's all gold. I mean, they like the way it looks. I mean, otherwise they wouldn't wear it. Uh, but you know, gold has properties other metals don't have, and that's why it has the value it has. But it's also very scarce. There's not as much gold as there is, let's say, other metals that are out there. What if gold? What if gold gets replaced? Like if we're in this weird time where we're seeing this transition of value to what would could be called perceived value. It's really scary, and it's scary for people who've held these traditional beliefs their whole life. Like yeah. you're, t- there's gold which is worth this much money because of its use cases. Right. Then there's Bitcoin fiat, which someone told you is worth this amount of money. It's not worth well, anything. Bitcoin is worth what somebody will pay you for it, right? Obviously, right? But somebody will only buy your Bitcoin because they think they can sell it to somebody else. And that somebody else will only buy it because they think they can sell it to somebody else. So it's all like a Arbitrage. pyramid. But the other thing about gold that's important to know is that gold can be used over and over and over again. So most commodities, you know, you buy the commodity, you use it, it's done, right? So like I have this watch is you can made melt of gold. It down. You can melt this down and get the gold back and do something else with yeah. it. Yeah. You know, you could go, you know, you if you, 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 you dig up a you know an old coffin, there's a there's a skeleton down there with some gold fillings. You could take the fillings out, melt them down, and it's exactly the same, right? It's it's, a little you can use it. So but the thing <laughs> is the value of gold today is basically the present value of all the future uses discounted to today because you own something that will be here forever. But what if you die with your cold storage in your coffin and, and uh, your seed phrase? Do you know what I'm well, saying? Like Bitcoin. what's more, that's not, yeah, I'm, but I'm saying like, what's because, because listen, gold will become phased out in 10 years. Well, right, right, well, how, right now, why? Right now why would, me, why would hold on, let happen? me just finish my fucking statement. <laughs> not, you know, sorry, but, but, but like, for example, right now, there is a price for hamburger beef, for beef. All around the world, ground beef has a value, not a perceived value, a value. But Impossible Burger comes through. S- lab-driven, cell-grown beef comes through. Now, the value of beef doesn't really fucking matter anymore because beef can be made using a fucking microchip in a laboratory. So what if, what I, if gold? One- what if gold and its use cases are replaced by minerals that can be created in a lab and all of a sudden yeah. value and perceived value well, get mashed up and mixed is, up in ether and bitcoin and you, well everyone it does that hasn't happened i mean maybe you can make <laughs> maybe you can turn platinum into gold but then you still need the platinum right which is as expensive sometimes more so than right. gold but look people have been trying to make gold you know they call it alchemy alchemy i mean they have been able to do it it's a pseudoscience but the idea the reality is there are actually more uses for gold now than there were 100 years ago or 200 years ago. And there's probably going to be even more uses for gold in the future that we don't even know about because its properties are so unique. Let Mm. me tell you this. Yes, I was in London recently. Yesterday. (laughs) I went to Nusseret's restaurant. Mm. Do you know Nusseret? No, I don't. Salt Bay. Okay. You know Salt Bay. Come on. Why am I kind of happy he doesn't? That's great. He he goes like this with salt, okay? Okay. I was at his restaurant. He brought out a giant tomahawk steak. Mm-hmm. Covered in gold, brother. Gold, gold dust. Yeah, you pay extra for that. Oh yeah, I was the dumb, the dumb, <laughs> the dumb customer. I was like, I want something shiny. <laughs> I, I want my food to be shiny. <laughs> like that was me. So I feel you. The use cases for gold, you can now eat it regularly. Yeah, okay. and but but they actually, there are health. I mean, they helps. use it in medicine. I mean, there are there there is gold that is used in medicine. They use it for certain procedures. 
Um, you know, I mean, I, people email me all the time when, when they encounter new uses for gold where they've, you know, they didn't even realize gold was used in that way. Interesting. And they find out uh, that it is because, you know, again, the properties of gold. I mean, the, one of the reasons that they use gold for fillings is because you're, you know, when you have gold in your mouth, you're, it's, you're not going to get any kind of disease from it, mm. right? It's a very pure metal, and it's not going to, you know, cause you any problems to have it in your mouth. My, my, our co-host George has been has been trying to get a question. We, this has been heated, George. I'd love to hear what your question is because I know you've been sitting on a, on something or a few things. Couch is one of them. <laughs> uh, so I, I get where you're coming from. You can't do anything with Bitcoin <laughs> at all, even if it, like he's basically saying when things hit the fan, there's nothing you could do with Bitcoin. With metal, you could do tons of things with, with medicine. You could eat it, even. Make jewelry Steak. or make it has some form of value. Money is just to emulate what that is. My thing is, if God forbid the value of money does go down, like how you say, you're saying that the reason why companies left this country in making stuff is because it's cheaper to make it in other countries. If, if this is true, then why didn't the government regulate that and say, hey, no, if you want to sell it here, why don't you make it here? Well, I mean, they could have done that and then maybe we would have had the crisis sooner. But it, and it's not so much that it's cheaper to make it there. It's that when the government imposes all kinds of costly regulations. No, I get it. But why did they it, stop doing that for this to not happen in the end? Do you get what I'm saying? That result. Well, I don't think I don't think the politicians thought that far ahead. I mean, they just imposed these taxes and regulations and were you know, blind to the consequences. But businesses try to adapt, right? They try to avoid uh, the taxes. Just like, you know, when the government creates a new program, everybody tries to figure out how to qualify for the benefit. I mean, people react to government, right? If you tax something, yes. you'll get less of it. If you subsidize something, you'll get more of it. And the government is oblivious to moral hazard. And so year, year after year of more regulation and more taxes, more businesses just left uh, and, and started producing offshore but we were able to import the stuff because the dollar was still uh the reserve currency but i wanted to mention something before i forget it as far as the val why it's important that you can actually use something mm -hmm. like gold has a use because because people say well people are just buying gold because they think it's going to go up no they're not they're they're buying it to preserve their their wealth because gold is an actual commodity and in an inflationary time period where Copper is going up, oil's going up, wheat's going up, everything is going up. It's hard to just buy a bunch of wheat. It's hard to buy a bunch of oil, but it's easy to buy gold. You don't need that much of it. And there are historic relationships between gold and every other commodity. So if paper is losing value and everything is going up and you want to store your wealth so that you can buy stuff in the future, you can store it easily in gold. But also there is a real buyer for gold. There are jewelers who need gold. So if the price of gold drops, jewelers are going to buy gold. Uh, computer chip manufacturers need gold, right? You have an actual end user that needs the metal. And, you know, central banks need it as a, as a reserve, as a monetary reserve. It's the only reserve they have that isn't somebody else's liability. They have real gold. But when it comes to Bitcoin, the only buyer is the speculator, right? Mm -hmm. So if the price of Bitcoin starts to fall, there's no one that says, oh, Bitcoin is cheap. I need a bunch of Bitcoin for my, you know, nobody needs it for anything. So it, it doesn't matter what the price is. If the only reason you want Bitcoin is because it's going up and you think it's going to keep going up, the minute you no longer think it's going to go up, nobody wants it. 
And when nobody wants it, how do you sell it if you've got it? But you but, can't. The con- but the conversation, yeah, but the conversation you're having right now that that would eliminate the the market for the purchase and and sale of of so many stocks too. Do you know? What well, I'm and and also and also just one more point on it too. It's like how many people are buying gold versus buying gold ETFs? And like that whole that whole right. that whole system is is broken to or not broken, but like that whole point is countered but by the, by wheat ETFs and by and by rubber ETFs and whatever else, what other commodities need to be purchased because no one's buying the actual fucking product; they're buying exchange. Yeah. Well, funds. when you buy the ETF of gold, right, you're buying the gold that's inside the ETF. You're just buying a more convenient way to got store it, it and trade it. it. But ultimately, what gives the ETF value is the fact that it mm. actually goes out and buys the gold and and, and puts it in a vault. But what you're saying about stocks, right? When you buy a stock, you're you're actually buying a business, a company. Sure, yep. You're buying a share of a company and you're entitled to a share of the profits of that company. Now, it's true that some companies don't have a profit. Maybe they're new and they're losing money. But what you're doing when you buy the stock is you're making a bet that that company will eventually make a profit. And when it does, you'll be entitled to a share of the dividends or whatever kind of return. And so that's investing, right? Because you're buying a business. But I agree that in this speculative mania that the Fed has you know, helped create, a lot of people who are buying stocks have no idea what the underlying business is worth. <laughs> they may not even know what the they business do. is. Yeah. <laughs> they're just looking at a screen and buying a symbol. And they're buying it because it's going up and they're planning on selling it. And so they're gambling on a stock the same way some people gamble on a cryptocurrency, but that doesn't mean stocks and a, a Bitcoin are the same because a company is an actual business that will generate earnings. Eventually, that will pay, or whatever, yeah. yeah. And it, but if they're never going to generate earnings, then the stock's going to go to zero, so, and the yeah. people who are buying it are going to lose because they're making a bad bet. But what I try to do when I buy stocks is I'm not trying to you know always hit the home run. I don't want to buy stocks that are losing money, that have never made a profit, but I'm guessing that maybe they will. I want to buy the stock that showed me, hey, we've made profits for 50 or 100 years and we've paid dividends. And so we're going to keep doing that. That's more of an investment than a speculation because I I have a good track record of what this company has done, what the management is doing. You can look at a good balance sheet. You can see the dividends. And yes, you can say, I think business is going to improve. I think the stock's going to go up. But what ultimately gives it the value is the income and the dividends of, of, of the company that it represents. I'd assume you're pretty conservative with your own personal investments. Well, I'm more aggressive with my own investments than than clients Man, in general. Okay, okay. And because I'm more, I'm I'm very convinced that I'm right. A lot of times for clients, I you know I want to have portfolios sure. that will perform even if I'm wrong. But since I'm so convinced that we're going to have a monetary crisis in the United States, a dollar crisis. And I think the price of gold is going to go up dramatically because I think we're going to remonetize gold. I think gold will re- will re- replace the dollar. You know, I think the world will go back to you know a gold standard. You know, we America took the world off the gold standard, uh, and I think the world is going to ultimately uh, you know go back on it mm. um, to the detriment of America. So I have a lot of gold stocks personally. I have a much larger allocation in my own portfolio towards gold stocks than my typical client would have. But but that's not super risk. I mean, do you ever take any, you know, kind of risky uh, investments? 
We have, I mean, gold stocks are risky investments. I mean, they're mines. I mean, a lot of stuff could go wrong. You they know, move like mines. a half a percent. <laughs> no, I, what are you talking no, about? No, but, but yeah. here's, here's. They're speculative investments. I mean, they're not, you know. To an extent. But I mean, I mean, actually though, if you look at some of the bigger gold mines now, the, the price earnings ratios of these major gold mines is much lower than the overall market. So there's actually less risk in my mind in gold stocks than the S&P 500 no, but or the that's, NASDAQ. No, but that's yeah. what he's saying. And I, and I guess that, that piggybacks to a question I had because it's really easy to take this low yield approach when you have millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars to play with because that little trickle effect, I mean, look, banks get rich off of 1% annual yield because they have so much fucking money that it, they don't need to speculate. They don't need to do that. But for the, every ama average American or person globally watching this show right now, you know why they're retail investing. You know why they're getting involved in crypto because they want to fucking create some sort of wealth for themselves. Yeah, so, it's a get rich quick scheme but, and it's very intoxicating a lot. And who, who doesn't want to get rich quick? I mean, all these Bitcoin hodlers think all I have to do is hold on to their Bitcoin. They're going to be millionaires. You know, that's, you know, that's why they won't sell any of it. But what's bought safe, into this dream? What's safe? Because I get numbers thrown at me by accountants. I get thrown money, numbers thrown at me by business advisors. I get numbers thrown at me by all these different people. What do you currently believe is the safe ratio of uh, crypto holdings to overall asset holdings? Well, I, I don't think any cryptos are safe. So Zero if you want to say it's safe, you shouldn't have any crypto at all. I mean, but, you know, most of the traditionally safe investments are not safe anymore because- Traditionally, bonds have been considered safe because you've loaned somebody money, a creditworthy borrower. They're they're going to pay you back everything that you know you lend them plus some interest. But right now, inflation is so much higher than the the yields on bonds. And you mentioned banks. I mean, the problem with banks is they're not doing what banks are supposed to do. Banks are supposed to fund capital investment, and they're supposed to fund it out of their deposits. But nobody is saving. There's no interest rates. The banks don't actually fund legitimate capital investment. You know, they, they, they buy government bonds or they fund speculation. Uh, you know, we're not uh, operating a real economy, which is why we said earlier, all these cargo ships are coming to America every day with all this stuff that we didn't make. You know, we're not making it because we don't have the type of economy that is able to produce it. And the banks are a big part of that because they're not lending for capital investment and because Americans aren't saving because rates are so low. I mean, who's going to save money when interest rates are a zero? I mean, nobody puts money in the bank anymore. I mean, you'd be a fool to do that. <clears throat> do you think the biggest thing that we're up against as a as a nation from an econ economic standpoint overall with all the players on the board is greed? Well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with, with greed. Uh, but the problem is if your greed, you know, overcomes your your, your, your logic or rationality, but also greed needs to be tempered by fear, right? Both of those emotions need to be there. So in a capitalist economy, people wanna make money, but they also don't wanna lose money, right? So they're cognizant of risk. Part of the problem with the Federal Reserve is it doesn't want anybody worried about risk. You may have heard the expression, you know, a, a, a Powell put, because they used to have the Greenspan put and then the Bernanke put and the Yellen put. And what that means is everybody thinks the Fed's got their back, right? If anything goes wrong, the government's gonna bail them out. See, that's one of the reasons that back in 2008, when the financial crisis hit, I was against all the bailouts. I was against TARP. I wanted everybody who took a risk and, it, and lost to lose money. I'm, I thought it was important that people get punished for doing something foolish so they didn't do it again. And I wanted the people that acted responsibly to get rewarded 
for having you know bypassed the party, right? Done the right thing. They didn't make all these crazy bets in the subprime market. They should have been able to take over the assets for the people who bid on that and and gambled. But even though I blame the Fed for you know the gambling, I remember you know um, George Bush at the time said that Wall Street got drunk. Right? He blamed the financial crisis on Wall Street being drunk. And what I was saying back then was, yes, Wall Street was drunk, but where'd they get the liquor, right? It was the Federal Reserve mm-hmm. that got everybody drunk. They poured the alcohol. Wall Street just drank it, you know, and, and, and they went with it. But the Fed bailed everybody out. And so everybody now operates, hey, let's take a bunch of risk because it doesn't matter because if we lose, we're going to get bailed out. We socialize the losses, but privatize the gains. And that's not capitalism. That doesn't work. But the government does that. You know, you mentioned banks. The government insures all the bank deposits. That didn't start until until Roosevelt uh, in the 30s. But that was a horrible idea because now nobody gives a damn what the bank does with their money. Because the, the government says, hey, if the bank fails, we're going to give you your money back. Just put your money in any bank. Doesn't matter what it does, because if it goes under, you know, we're going to make you whole. Well, then no one gives a damn. And so the banks know this. The banks know people don't care how risk, what kind of risk they take. So the banking system is far riskier today because the government is guaranteeing all the deposits. Before the government did that, people did research before they put their money in, in a, a bank. bank. I mean, yeah. you were, okay, I, I've been, you know, I'm not going to put my money into any bank. I got to make sure it's a sound bank. And there were a lot of ways you could check on the soundness of a bank. Uh, but nobody does that today because the government came in with moral hazard and screwed the whole thing up. And that's one of the reasons why our banking system is constantly in need of a bailout. And in fact, if the Federal Reserve does what it needs to do to save the dollar and stop inflation, every major bank in America will fail. And, you know, we bailed them out in 2008. All those banks that were too big to fail, they're so much bigger now. And the damage when they fail is going to be so much greater, which is one of the reasons why the Fed is not going to do the right thing. They're not going to do a Paul Volcker and jack up interest rates. And that's why the dollar is going to crash because inflation is going to run out of control and our creditors are going to realize that the dollar is a bottomless pit and everybody's going to want out. So they would they would rather protect the banks than protect the currency that fuels this country. Well, they just want to kick the can down the road, right? They know. Deferral. Right. It's like every politician and these central bankers, they're, you know, they're politicians, you know, all they care about is an election's coming up in two years, four years. We just want to push this crisis beyond that election. We don't care how much worse we make it as long as it's somebody else's problem and not ours, right? And that's all they're doing. And every time we kick the can down the road, we make the problem worse because we, it's, you know, it's more debt. It's like, you know, uh, if you're an athlete and maybe you, 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 injure, you injure yourself, you're, you're playing a football game, you know, rather than just coming off the field and letting your injury, you know, they shoot you up with some kind of, uh, you know, drug so that you don't feel the pain and you can keep playing. But then you're screwing yourself up more. You're creating an additional injury. The pain is supposed to be, hey, get off that foot or get off that leg. You know, the pain is telling you that there's a problem. But if you numb the pain, then you just make the problem worse by ignoring it. That's what we do. We liquor everybody up or numb us up with cheap money. We cut interest rates. We print money instead of fixing the problems, right? The underlying problems, we allow the underlying problems to get worse. And 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 then eventually, you know, we have we catch up to it and oh my god, now what are we going to do? 
right? Oh, now we need to kick the can again. We need even more money printing. So they're just going to look at if we raise interest rates right now, we're going to you know set off this crisis. We're going to crash these banks. The economy is going to tank. So we can't do it. So we have to print more money. And then they're going to be surprised by the consequence. They're going to get a currency crisis, not because they want one. They don't want one, but they don't want to risk stopping one. So they'd rather just hope they get away with it again because they've gotten away with it so many times in the past. I mean, people don't even seem to think that the debt is a problem anymore. I mean, years and years ago when the debt was a lot smaller, remember Ross Perot when he yeah. ran and he was like, he made the deficit a big deal. I mean, the national debt was maybe five trillion back then. You know, now it's almost 30 trillion, right? And and somehow it doesn't matter. Uh, and people keep saying, well, it's not a problem because interest rates are so low. Yeah, but what happens when interest rates go up, right? Then it's a huge problem. But you can't wait for interest rates to go up because you know eventually they're going to go up. But the government operates as if we don't have to worry because rates are low. Do you know Do you know Peter has a son who uh, <laughs> like negates him and goes directly against him socially? Uh, financially? Or yes. Uh, like guys, on, on Twitter. They have Twitter beasts. Yeah, have you guys- yeah well, I have, I have a 19-year-old son named Spencer. And you know, kids like to rebel against their parents. And so his form of rebellion is he buys Bitcoin. Or- He's like, fuck you, dad. I'm on the blockchain now. But, and you know, just like a lot of other 19 year olds, I mean, he's, you know, gotten taken in by it. You know, does he know you're on the show right now? No, he doesn't. I want him to come, I want him to come on and, and debate you, but he's not here. He doesn't want to debate. No, anybody. is he Some, that a of, sharp? A lot of people have. He's a very smart got it, kid. Got it. Yeah, but is he? Sharp. But is he like? I mean, he's obviously the- not smart enough because he's buying Bitcoin. <laughs> but you know, there are a lot of look. There are a lot yeah, of people. Peter, with, that's what I'm saying. He got beef with his own son. That's, but there are a wild. lot. Of, there are a lot of people that have high IQs that are smart that that own Bitcoin because smart people can do foolish things. Watch this. You know? Watch this. I think something good's about to happen. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure that he's like oh, a slinky. potentially the laziest dog I've ever seen in my life. Watch, watch how he gets off this couch. If he decides to move from his half on half off. He's position. like, I need someone to yeah. aid me right now. <laughs> you, like, here we go. This is my favorite. <laughs> Bro, I'm not kidding. Look, he just drops. He made it. <laughs> yeah. But, every time he's like, I get there. No, I get there eventually. It, but also there's a lot of smart people that are touting Bitcoin. But I, again, I'm always suspicious of the Bitcoin pumpers, whether or not they're being honest or whether or not they're just, you know, saying what they have to say to talk up Bitcoin. Because, you know, whenever you're in Bitcoin, you need more people to come in and buy it. I mean, that's how this thing grows. You it is true. It's, it's, be, it's become it's become a community yes, and, a, yes. and a movement, but you know, you, you, just you, as much you as it has. You have to a- about it. You're almost, you know, it's like you're like, you know, these are the modern, you know, Harry Kirshner's. They, you know, they got to like get more converts because- the way Bitcoin goes up is new people come in Purchase, and buy. Yeah. So you got the people that are in have to convince other people to get in. And then also the people who are in who want to sell have to convince other people not to sell. So I'm always very suspicious because while people are telling other people, don't sell any, don't sell any, you never know what they're actually doing, right? Because all these wallets are anonymous, right? Nobody knows whose wallet is whose. You just, you can see an address but you don't know who owns it. And you also don't know how many addresses belong to the same person, right? You can look at all these Bitcoin No, it's a, me- it's a mess. I mean, make no mistake, this is as wild west as the wild west gets. Right. I mean, so this is, I mean, this is a perfect pump and dump, right? Where people are going to be pumping something up, drumming up buying, and then quietly selling into the, the demand that they've created. 
So some of the smart people may be smart in the sense is that they're just using Bitcoin as a way to get rich. And they're advantage. just saying all this stuff yeah, to, yeah. to get other people to want to buy it. I mean, it's a huge marketing success from that perspective. People got into Bitcoin in a big way when it was maybe $100, $200, $300 a coin. They bought a bunch of Bitcoin and then they spent a ton of money on marketing and they they, they pumped the thing all the way up to 60 whatever thousand, right? Clearly they're selling, right? They're getting out. I mean, they're, they're not holding everything. Um, and, and so yeah, it's a we big call those that, from call that those perspective. Paper hands. Paper hands. Paper hands, Peter. Oh, diamond hands, yeah. No, no, no. You. Your paper hands, you have, Peter. Gold, you have gold hands. Yeah, well, I don't have any hands because I'm, I'm not in there. But you were asking me about my son. <laughs> no hands. So, yeah, my son and, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, people. There's so many memes now that come out, you know. Um, like one of, the, one of the recent ones was uh, rich son, poor dad. Right, because you know I'm the poor dad because you know I don't have any 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 bitcoin because he's hot his yeah. own leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wait, are, wait uh, uh, go ahead, sorry. Yep. You, mine is so dumb. I just want to know uh, if you've ever actually like went hunting for gold. No, like mine, no. In, well, the, in the trenches. Unless I end up going on that that treasure ship with these guys. Mine was dumb, too. but um, <laughs> no, I've never been out. Well, there you know there are people that pan for gold. They yeah, have, is that you? Know, you? No, I've never actually. So tried you're not it. you're not like Peter Pan. No, I'm not a prospector. I'm not I'm not a prospector. <laughs> I all I was gonna say to you was because this is a completely topic. Change. I'd like to have a little bit of fun, but you're from Connecticut, from the same neck of the woods as me. Yeah, from I live. Well, yeah, I was born in Connecticut, and I lived in Connecticut, and I still have a house in Connecticut. Who do you yeah. think did more drugs, you or Mike? Well, probably Mike, because I didn't. I didn't do a lot of drugs. You don't smoke weed? Well, I, I don't need to discuss that here. <laughs> but I'm certainly not. A so big, no, he's certainly not a big smoker. My, I was simply gonna ask you who. It, there's a lot of good pizza in the world. Who, by chance, has the best pizza in the world? <laughs> we already discussed that. That's in New Haven. But wow. I, but I also, but I also like the New York pizza too. Okay, okay. But I mean, but yeah, yeah. Who's your? What's your go-to in New Haven? Do you have a favorite? Well, I don't get there very often, but Peppy's, where you talk yeah, about, yeah. yeah. Wow. But, um, yeah. but um, yeah, you know who's? You no, know, my father's buried in New Haven. Really? Yeah. Do we so. want to talk about him at all? Do, are you open? Up? Schiff? Yeah, you could talk about him. Yeah. We got some notes about your your dad actually. Can I just read these notes? So well, here's I, I, would you write? Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, I guess what if he was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> His father was a prom prominent figure in the US tax protester movement. He died in federal prison in October 2015 while he was serving a sentence of at least 13 years for tax evasion. Yeah, although technically, I mean, he was in jail because of his political beliefs. Okay. So I think he was a political prisoner, mm -hmm. which is, you know. So fuck my, fuck my producer, Dylan, who wrote these. He, no, but that's, I mean, that's fine. But I mean, but yeah, technically, um, but actually, if you go back to my father's conviction, um, you know, he was that, he, he always said that he was never convicted of tax evasion because the jury came back and they said, well, um, can the government find, you know, you know, is he guilty even if the government doesn't prove that he committed tax evasion? And the judge basically told the jury, yes, that you can convict them even if the government didn't prove their case. So, I mean, the, 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 the government wanted my father convicted and the judge was basically there to make sure that a conviction occurred. It wasn't like it was a neutral uh, setting and my father got a fair trial. In fact, he didn't even have a lawyer. He represented himself and his, and his hearing aid wasn't even working. He couldn't even hear half the stuff, you know, because he was, you know, older guy, mm. uh, even when he had the trial. But the thing with my dad is, you know, my dad wasn't somebody that just didn't pay taxes because he was trying to cheat, right? That he was trying to get extra money. My father 
told the government, I'm not paying taxes, and here's why, right? It's a legal argument, it's a constitutional argument, and it wasn't over a lot of money, right? It was a small amount of money, and you know, my father, if he would have filed tax returns, could have easily you know, found enough deductions to pay very little. And in fact, if my father just stopped paying taxes, the government would have left him alone. Uh, it was only because he was very public about the fact that he was not paying taxes. And a lot of other people started following his advice. Uh, and said, hey, this guy Erwin Schiff's not paying taxes and he's not in jail, so I'm gonna stop paying taxes. So they really wanted to make an example of him. So they, 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 they put him in jail, but he wasn't a criminal and that he didn't have any criminal intent. He didn't believe he owed any taxes. It's different if somebody thinks they owe taxes and then they try to hide their money or they file false returns. My father didn't do any of that, right? So he didn't have a criminal mentality. He it, was, it, was just, a, it was a principal thing. Right. And so he, did, you, and, did you ever have a conversation with him just candidly and be like, yo, dad, was it worth it? Because 13 years in, in prison, well, that, and that pending was more. The last time he was in jail a couple of other times. So, so that. is it worth it? You know, I, you know, my dad, you know, to his dying, uh, you know, breath, you know, he was still committed uh, to fighting this fight. I mean, he was mm. obsessed with it. And, you know, he died, you know, chained to a hospital bed. He had a handcuff around his, his ankle. Oh, my God. And, you know, my dad was diagnosed terminal uh, uh, lung cancer. And they said he had about four months to live. And I think he only ended up living for two. But I tried to get him released on a compassionate release. Just, you know, let him die, you know. Mm. And they still wouldn't let him out. Mm. Um, and, and, and the horrible part about it is, so my dad, when my dad was in prison when he was 80 years old, he was in prison in New York, about 50 minutes from my house. So I used to be able to visit him, you know, on the weekends. And when he turned 80, they said, okay, you know, you're too old now. You got to go to a hospital prison. And so they sent him out to Indiana and far away. So I didn't get to see him as often because it was a plane, you know, fly out there. It was, so it was, it was let's get me in. We talked on the phone a lot, uh, but I wasn't able to, you know, physically visit as much or not nearly as much. Um, but, but he was supposedly there with the hospital. Well, meanwhile, my father got a skin cancer on, on his head, but the government did nothing about it. The doctors didn't treat it. Had they treated it, he may still be alive today. Maybe he would have actually- But that was like it. that, I mean, this is super simplifying it, but it seems like a little bit of a, oh, now you need our help. Well, when you, when you put someone in jail, you're supposed to give them medical course, care. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, they you can't leave, right? Yeah. But it sounds like he he was definitely targeted a little bit. Which, oh, yeah. What's to say the targeting didn't well, they, I don't know. I don't know if he got- worse treatment than a normal inmate or if that's just how the government treats the inmates but for people who want government health care i mean basically my dad died of skin cancer because they didn't do anything about it and you know and, and when i even got the records i mean some doctors actually weren't even supposed to show me the records i actually got some of these health records to show how you know how they basically killed him um and because by the time they they caught it it was all over his body you know and it was really bad in his lungs hmm. um but you know when he was lying in his bed, right, he was breathing through a tube and he couldn't eat, right, because he's eating through like intravenous, yet they still had him handcuffed and they still had a guard in the room. I'm like, what are you doing? He can't at, even go to the at what, toilet. At what age? 87. It's like, can you just take that handcuff off of Ooh. him so he doesn't have mm. to lie what was there? That like? What was that? Mm. Oh, shit. What was that like for you? That was, it was, it was sad. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, just seeing him there and, you know, because uh, I had a flat, he died in a, in, it was a, in a jail in Texas, in uh, in Dallas. 
Um, but it was a hospital, but it was like a wing where, where, where they, where they take the inmates. But, um, but my father was certainly not a criminal, you know, although one, you know, one, um, piece of trivia that I always think is interesting is that there's, there have been two books in the history of America that the federal government banned, right? The first one was this book called Fanny Hill. And I think it was some in the 1800s and the government banned it because they claimed it was pornographic, right? You know, by today's standards, I mean, comic books probably have more porn than, <laughs> than this thing. But so the government banned it. The other book that was banned was The Federal Mafia, written by my dad. Oh, and shit. they actually banned my father from selling that book. They didn't ban other people from selling it, but he was the publisher. And they banned him from selling that book to anybody. Wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, but there are still copies you of the had book. That book? I mean, People, I mean, you could buy, I mean, I still have a few copies. I, you know, I got a website, Shift Books, you know, where I, I, I still have a few copies of I'd my dad's I'd love to get books. a copy. Yeah, yeah, I'd but, love but to it, get a copy yeah, I mean, but it's, there's not that many books that the government has banned. Obviously, you know, it's a First Amendment issue because it was a political book, right? It wasn't, you know. Like, yeah, but you could own Mein Kampf. Well, yeah, the government guys can care about that. But obviously, <laughs> you can read Karl Marx's book, Communist Manifesto. Book, my father told Gr you Grimes was not, reading it. Yeah, the government. My dad told you how not to pay taxes. That was what they didn't. Oh, like so it's yeah. So it's but, like if it's like if Breaking Bad put out a, like a book on how to cook meth. Yeah, no, like, they'd be like yeah, it, maybe you could still read a book on how you could cook meth. Yeah, they didn't ban it. Yeah, you know, but yeah, because my mom told me at a very young age, you want to cook meth, kid, cook <laughs> meth. You want to fucking ride motorcycles too fast. You want to do whatever the fuck you want. Don't you ever. Ever fuck with the IRS? The, Don't the, you fuck? The problem ever. though with my with my dad's book is it was very persuasive because yeah. he, he had copies of the Internal Revenue Code, Constitution, Supreme Court cases. He had a lot of things backing him up, so the government couldn't really refute what he said. So it's That's a really they, good book. yeah. Let's just yeah, ban it because it. you know a lot of what my father said was true. But I've never advocated that people follow his advice because a I saw what happened to him. But I know that nobody is going to get a fair trial in a tax case. I mean, if you commit murder, right, you'll, you'll, you'll probably get a fair trial. I mean, most likely. Maybe some people don't. But, you know, but if you do something where the government, right, like you, you're in a tax case where it's the government against you, in a government court, you are not going to get a fair trial. Right. You, the, the jury is, you know, it's, you know, they're going to tell the jury, you, can, you, you let this person go and you're not going to get your Social Security checks anymore. Right. You know, they they, they, they want to make sure that leverage. Yeah. So it, you're, it, I tell people, look, even if my father was technically correct on his view of the law and his reading of these court cases, and I've talked to people personally, right, lawyers, judges, you know, who have told me, right, I think your father is right. I think his reading of the raw law is correct, but he's not going to get away with it. So I've heard this firsthand mm -hmm. from people who are, you know, again, professional lawyers, judges telling me that my dad was right but you know the government couldn't allow him to be right so you know, so basically so, so i know that people i don't incur because i think the government is corrupt and i don't think we have a, <laughs> a, a you know a fair society i tell people look do what the government says the government tells you to pay taxes pay taxes even if legally you're not required it doesn't matter because they make the rules they have the guns they have the jails right and so you know you just gotta do what they tell you even if what they're telling you is unconstitutional or illegal so just to bring it back full circle as a as kind of an end cap on that that's why whenever somebody looks at me and says regulation on crypto the government can't do that 
<laughs> he, he laughs. Well, trust me, man. Trust they, me. Well, they look if they if they declared it as contraband. If the U.S. government decided, look, oh, crypto is can you is like, <clears throat> can you look, imagine? Well, they're, China. They're, I mean, China's already look. They're about to no, force people to get vaccinated, right? I mean, they're basically saying we can do something for the common good, right? Because they're saying that you need to get vaccinated not for yourself, but because it's good for society. So if the government says Bitcoin is bad for society, it's undermining our banking system, our currency. It's it's enabling a criminal activity. You know, we need to. You know, you're 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 a terrorist if you own Bitcoin, right? You're 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 no longer a patriot, it, you, and so we're going to just make it illegal. And they say, okay, if you're caught with any Bitcoin, it's a year in jail, it's five years in jail, it's ten thousand dollar penalty. I mean, who the hell is going to touch it? Yeah, but also I who's going to enforce uh, that? Oh my god! Well, what I don't a know. Nightmare. But it's all on it's all on the internet. I mean, there's a there's a you know there's a trail of everything you yeah, do. Yeah. You know, it's wild mean, to me. I was just going to say, like historically, I look at how many times the government has been wrong or has like revoked a decision, and it happens so much throughout history. More than more than I'd like to. I mean, acknowledge anyways. Even just like in probably beginning of this country, like. There was a part of the constitution that said this, this human is, is 40% less than me on, on when it comes to voting. What the fuck? Even with prohibition, just alcohol is illegal now. And then, and then it's not. Bro, look at well, it. Well, and, 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 so, and so like, I just. Well, at least we had respect for the constitution back then, because when they wanted to prohibit alcohol, they amended the constitution to do it because they knew the government had no authority to outlaw drinking. But today, I mean, they just, government does whatever it wants. I mean, nobody amends the Constitution for anything because the Constitution doesn't have any meaning anymore. The government just gets away with whatever it wants, mm. which is another reason it would be easy to outlaw Bitcoin if they wanted to. But again, I don't think they're going to, right? I don't think the government is going to outlaw it. I think they want to tax it and they want to regulate it. They don't want to outlaw it. Mm. If they were threatened by it, then they would outlaw it. So the way I've always said or looked at it is if Bitcoin succeeds, the government will kill it. If it fails, well, it just dies of natural causes. But if if it does succeed, it will be a victim of its own success because the government hates competition. And if they actually saw Bitcoin as competition for the U.S. dollar or threatening the dollar status, they would clamp down. What about on the a middle. third option? What's that? Where we all win? What all about win what? what about I don't know? What if the government? It, what if it succeeds and the government adopts it? Well, and they why say, would they do that? Because because what what's okay? So you have all these this tethered stuff, no speculation, not tether, for example, but USDC and all these you know whatever other coins that are, that stable, are stable, stable coins stable pegged coins. to the US dollar. Exactly. Why doesn't why doesn't the government just say, oh yeah, you're ours now? Well, they're not going to want Bitcoin because the no, government not can't create Bitcoin. But look, do I think the government is tempted or likes the idea of a digital? Currency, currency that's a digital dollar, dollar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. absolutely the, the government D, would man. like it but i i don't like it as a as an american because what that does is that gives the government even more power over the population because right now if you have a you know you have a wallet and you have dollar bills or federal reserve notes in there you can go out and buy stuff and the government doesn't know that you did it right the government is not spying on your every transaction but if the government can succeed in eliminating all paper currency 
and force us to do every transaction. There's a we built a system that we thought decentralized yeah. to work for us, that we decentralized yes. to work for Right, we end up empowering the government. Pop. And Son of a That's fucking why they're not taking it down. They're, like, they're like, keep going, guys. Yo, we see everything you're doing. But now the government, and, and what people forget, there are a lot of, that's fucked. And by the way, that's gonna happen. We like, built you know, it for them. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of people. Satoshi fucked us, fucking asshole. Damn it, Dogecoin. like, you sent $22 million to this wallet which belongs to an international arms dealer. It's on the internet. You're it's, going it's to jail. Jail on it. <laughs> right, but it, it ends up backfiring and it gives the government more power. And the reason you don't want the government knowing every single transaction that you make, right, is they have too much personal information about you. And a lot of people think, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. So what difference is Are it you make? about to bring this into data? Well, huh? Are you about to bring this into a no, data conversation? What I'm talking about <laughs> <No>. is... <laughs> You may be doing things that are totally legal that you don't that are not wrong, but the government may end up using it against you in some way in the future. And the government could be very corrupt in the future. And one of the ways that we keep the government from getting corrupt is the ability to violate corrupt laws. Right. If the government passes very bad laws, people may not want to follow those laws if they're wrong. But if they can track you. And, and, and find out who the lawbreakers are because they know every single transaction that you've made, uh, you know, it makes it harder, you know, to mount the resistance against a corrupt government. So you never want to put a government in a position where it has so much information about every single citizen and you have this no way fucked. to- That's actually fucking wild. You just ruined That's my fucking life. Dude, wild. what if, what fucking if Satoshi- is actually Ronald fucking Reagan. It's possible. Right? Ronald well, Reagan's dead, possible. right? It's possible. Reagan okay, died. okay. So, 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 uh, so, uh, <laughs> shit. Let's walk that back one. George Bush. Like, what if Satoshi is a member of the government who's like, power to the people, decentralization, so that all these people are like, dude, now the government can't fuck with me, only so that the government could fuck with them. Oh my God. And if, yeah, the light, and, we're the and, bugs. Yeah. Yes. Maybe correct. we're the bugs. Like, maybe the what happens there? is when all these cr currencies crash, and then the government say, see, we told you capitalism doesn't work. You can't trust this. You need you need uh, the dollar, right? But we'll, we'll now make a digital dollar because you all want a digital currency. You just don't want the ones that failed. We're going to use uh, a new one that will succeed because it's going to be backed by the full faith and credit of the U.S. government. But also what I don't like about it is it gives the Federal Reserve even more power to just play around with the money supply and interest rates, negative interest rates. You know, they can do even more damage my, to my, the economy. My favorite is all of the um, all of the crypto people always tell me, they're like, I made so-and-so amount of money this year, and I don't got to pay taxes on it. How do you think that's going to end up? <laughs> well, you know, that's a question now on the front page of a 1040. Did you, you trade say, did any you, crypto yeah, currency? Yeah, 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 yeah. And the minute you check that, you know that you're like, all right, now they're going to be looking into. That's why they want to look at your bank accounts. They want to see are you depositing mm. any money because they want to see, you know, if the money you're spending and the checks you're writing, if that jives. Like if you if you on your tax return, yeah, I made forty thousand dollars, and they look through your bank account and they see you spent a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> on something. Well, where'd you get that money? Yeah, well, you you only earned forty. You know that they want to put all this together. They want to look at these tax returns, and then they want to look at all this bank information, and 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 they want to see. But you know, there's a lot of people that probably don't even know how much money they owe on taxes that are trading. Now, the people that just buy Bitcoin and never sell it, obviously they don't yeah, have- Yeah, they're chilling. But yeah. you got people that are like, you know, 
buying one cryptocurrency, selling it and getting another one, getting another one, trading them. They don't realize that every single transaction is a taxable event as far as the IRS is yeah, concerned. Yeah, yeah. And also all these spinoffs, you know, the, these coins fork and you get some coins mm. and then you sell that. I mean, your cost basis was zero and Damn. then you sold it. Uh, and so there's a lot of taxes and people forget if you didn't pay those taxes, by the time you find out about it, now there's interest and penalties and that stuff adds up very quickly. And if you make a lot of money, let's say you make a lot of money in crypto one year and you don't pay your taxes and then you lose it back the next year, when they audit you, they're not going to give you credit for those losses. You didn't pay taxes on the year you made money. You still owe the taxes, even if you lost it back the next year, right? So let's say somebody makes $100,000 in cryptocurrency in, in 2021. They don't pay any taxes on it. Then in 2022, they lose back the whole 100000 So they're basically flat. The government finds out you didn't pay on 2021. Oh, you owe $40,000 Because you can't retroactively. No, you, you can't carry the loss back. People are about to get fucked. Yeah, and then they're going to be like, oh, and you owe interest and you owe penalties. And now you can end up owing more than the hundred grand that you originally but what if you have you a have shit? What if you try to just give them a shit ton of Shiba Inu? <laughs> I probably can't even say that. Will the government that. accept Dogecoin, you think? They, don't, they only accept dollars, mm, you know? No Dogecoin. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, they will accept gold, you know, legal tender coins, but only at face value. So that you wouldn't want to pay in gold or silver. You'd want to pay in, in paper. But, you know, you can't you can't pay your taxes in Bitcoin. You have to sell your Bitcoin to pay your taxes. And the minute you sell your Bitcoin to pay <laughs> it's your taxes, you owe another tax. Yeah, exactly. I love how if, if you bought up. it at a lower price. I love how you brought up you could technically pay them in gold just to smack you in the face. Of the <laughs> just be, fucking be, buy the gold. Well, if, let's say <laughs> if, if, if you want to give the U.S. government a $20 gold piece, right, which might be worth a couple thousand dollars. They'll, they'll take it. They'll take it at, give you, at $20. They'll give you credit for $20 because it is legal tender, mm. right? But you, why would you want to do that? You wouldn't give them a $2,000 if they're only going to credit you yep. for 20 yep. bucks. You collect art. You ever buy art? I don't collect it. We have art in the house, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not buying, so you, you know, it. real expensive art. <laughs> Would you ever buy an NFT strictly because you liked the way it looked or maybe it was uh, made well, or produced by prominent artists of sorts? Well, the thing with NFTs to me is I don't think the NFTs are ever going to have the value of an actual physical thing. What so if I it's think, both? Well, I think if you have an NFT and a physical thing that you get together, I think that can have value. But again, it's going to be ten, depend on a lot of, you know, scarcity, how many of these things there are, mm. you know. Uh, but I think if you look at all the people that are coming up with NFTs, I mean, they're, they are inundating the world right now with these things mm. because lots of people are supplying them into the market because there's a lot of demand. Where is the demand? It's a new thing. People think they're going to make money. Yeah it's, a hype, yeah, it's a hype train right now. And so, you know, but eventually what happens is you saturate the market with supply. It's no longer new. And the price crashes, right? So there's going to be, I mean, a lot of people are going to lose a lot of money mm. in, in these things. I mean, obviously people who create them and sell them, I mean, they get real money for coming up with them. But do I think that there will be some value for these non-fungible tokens? Yes, yeah, some of them, but nowhere near what people are, are, are thinking today. Mm. If you look at what the prices that, that people are paying and they're buying them where they have no uh, connection to anything real. I mean, I think there is value. There are there are some, by the way. There are, there are some um, that do that do have a, a connection to something physical. I, I I'll give you an example. Um, 
uh, Tom Sachs. I actually don't know much about this, but Tom Sachs Rocket Factory. Uh, it's an NFT where you could buy a nose, mm -hmm. uh, uh, a body, and a tail mm -hmm. of a rocket. And this guy, Tom Sachs, who's uh, I, I'm going to get flamed for this. He's a sculpturist, I believe, like a really renowned artist whose pieces, are, real life pieces, are, sell for a lot of money. Mm -hmm. um, he builds that rocket that you built. As long as you have the three pieces that you can assemble and put together in this online platform, he builds the rocket Sends it to him. and then he launches oh, it right. and then he goes and retrieves it and you get it. You receive it. Does something like that entice you? I don't know. I mean, how much does it cost? <laughs> well, my, my rocket was like probably like 30 K. I don't know. Sounds like a lot of money. I feel you. I feel rather, like, he's like, rather let, what, about, what about this? You got a crypto punk? No. Do you want one? What am I going to do with it? Make it your profile picture. Hmm? Make it your profile picture. If you did uh, that, I promise you'll get invited but, to. But what is a crypto? What is a crypto punk? Is I got, it like I got a, a crypto it's a punk. punk? That's a crypto. Crypto punk. I got one around my neck right now. That's a crypto punk. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it's also so, an NFT. But it's it's a necklace. Yeah, I made it it's into an a NFT necklace. Of it. Yeah, and you and it's just a it's an image. Yeah, yeah. But the people trade them like you know, like yeah. digital beanie babies. Absolutely. But are are they are they the I same? What that. was the what was the original like the crypto kitties? Crypto kitties was one of the first. Yes, yeah, crypto. Do they have any value but also, now? Is anybody no, buying those? No, no, no. Kitties? Crypto. Well, the model was silly. It was. It has always been. Sorry, 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 <laughs> sorry, sorry. The product was silly. Silly. The model made sense and was emulated. And a couple of projects did it successfully. CryptoPunks was one of them. And and they're 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 popping right now. So I'm saying, like, would you would you ever buy a CryptoPunk? I don't know. You know, I, I you know I have to look at them, but I mean, most likely anything crypto to me at this point is probably overpriced and hyped up. Mm. So you know, especially these. Well, may, know, well, maybe they're know, not overpriced. You know, yeah, they, they know, are, dude. You know, from what I understand, they're going to a ten million dollar floor, man. So uh, there's an expression uh, about. I, I think told. it was it's pixelated. Uh, um, maybe it's uh, pixelated. John it's Templeton that actually, said, "I want to buy assets when there's blood in the streets." So when everybody, when everybody uh, is dumping, yeah, yes. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, if you think there's any value in any in, in any of these things, but you know, I hear people again. You know, I, I go back to guys like uh, Michael Saylor, who's always talking about, you know, uh, the digital property and digital, you know, digital assets. And look, you know, he talks about digital music. Yeah, music is music is fine because you just listen to it. I mean, music music can be digital. You know, I can read a digital book because I'm reading words. I don't need to have the actual book to to read it. I can read it digitally. Uh, but there are a lot of prop, a lot of property that needs to be physical. I mean, you just can't replicate it, uh, you know, digitally. I mean, I can have a digital car, but I can't actually go anywhere in it. I can't sit in it and drive any place. I can't take a date. In the metaverse, you can. But yeah, but there's not going to be any value to that. <laughs> no, not <I> mean, true. <laughs> how much? But you can you can make an unlimited number of digital cars in the metaverse because you don't need any actual raw materials. You can just replicate them. Which is the beauty of it. Peter, Peter, but yes, you're but removing, they're not going to be valuable. Like you're a, removing like a, a massive part of the equation and you've done it this entire show. You base your thoughts and your predictions and your decisions in something called logic. That <laughs> is now gone. It's People not, will yes, buy. If you say, yo, digital doggy style doggies are the next hot thing. And if you put a million in, it'll be worth oh, a billion yeah. well, dollars. Digital, dude, digital, people are going to buy digital doggies. Dude, yes, they'll do because it. because digital dogs are so much better than actual dogs. Huh, you don't Quinn, have to feed them. Quinn, you don't have to walk them. Tamagotchis. Don't, don't right? listen to Tamagotchis. Right. right. But the thing is, you don't get the same emotional joy 
out of a digital dog as you get out of Dude, an actual dog. No and so it's worth no walking them and feeding them and it's all provocative. That it gets the people going. Yeah, right. We'll but see. I also don't buy my dog as I think I'm gonna trade it for a more expensive dog. You know, but that reminds me, I always re remember this joke, <laughs> you know, with crypto. Because all these cryptocurrencies, right? Everybody is just, you know, they're trading them. You're trading your ether for your uh, NFT. I mean, everybody is trading one crypto for another and they keep marking up the price and everybody thinks they're getting rich. And it always reminds me of the old joke about this guy who wanted to sell his dog. And he's going to sell his dog. Uh, and his when his buddy says, hey, what are you doing? I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going to sell my dog. You know, Oh, really? What do you think you're going to get for him? I'm going to get 10 grand, $10,000 for this dog. And the guy's like, you'll never get $10,000 for that dog. Yes, I am. I'm going to get $10,000 for the dog. So anyway, he goes out. Um, and on the way back, he's coming back and he doesn't have the dog. And the, the, you know, the guy says, did you ever sell your dog? Yeah, I sold the dog. Really? How much did you get? I got 10000 Like Really? You're telling me you got $10,000 cash for that dog? Well, you know, I didn't actually get cash. I traded him for two $5,000 cats. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's basically what, what's going on with, uh, with cryptos. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're all nothing. And, you know, you can assign a value to each one of these cryptos and you just exchange them and you pretend that, you know, you're exchanging real value, but it's just one worthless token being used to buy another one. I wouldn't wow. say worthless. I wouldn't say worthless. Well, it's not worthless in a sense that somebody will buy it. Uh -uh. There is a I, price. I right? mean, I mean, even just like, like I, I, I believe in, in the, the tech and the um, use case of NFTs, I think, which is why I'm so bullish about the space and non-fungible yeah, tokens. Yeah, look, NFTs could have a value. I don't think they're going to have this big collector value that a lot of people seem. To well, think because it's have. not it's not always collectibles, right? That's, I mean, which is why it, you know there's there's all right. sorts of different and 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 people are buying tokens. them because they think they're going to sell them at a higher price. So that may not be ultimately what what they're used for. But you know, Warren Buffett. This is a Warren Buffett saying: "Price is what you pay." values what you get right so you can pay any price for something if you know uh but that doesn't mean that's what it's worth mm. there's a market for something mm. and somebody may be willing to pay you something at that moment in time mm -hmm. regardless of what the underlying worth is right like a lot of uh companies in the dot-com era people were paying very high prices to buy the stock but the companies were actually worthless because they never created any profits and they never did, and they and yep. they went bankrupt. Yep, yep. But people were willing to buy them, despite the fact that they were actually worthless. They just you, you, didn't realize you, they were worthless when they were buying them. This is this, you're talking about shit coins now. The the equivalent of that. Well, the, they're all shit coins. No, 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 he, no, 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 that's, <laughs> no. But that's what his stance. The whole show. I mean, that's his stance. And also, and also, he he may dude like to, to his point in the long on the long term he may. Listen, I'll be completely transparent. Transparent. I'm fucking long ether. I'm an ether holder. I have been for a long fucking time. So I've just been listening to you. I, I respect all of your your beliefs and decisions, and I'm and I'm going to continue to look into it. His belief is that the the idea of this coin era is a pump. He's not saying the same about NFTs. He's saying NFTs connected to utility is something he believes in. He's just saying crypto coins in general he believes will not prove out to be the currency Unless that they're, they're backed by something real. Like you just can't create one out of nothing and say this nothing has value. But I think what's funny is when you see the Bitcoin maximalist types, right? Because they have to kind of criticize all the other coins that aren't Bitcoin, especially when you start talking about the, the Dogecoin. <laughs> and they talk about how, well, that coin was is a joke. 
they don't get the joke because Bitcoin is the same thing. I mean, that that's the point, <laughs> is that anything you can say negative about Dogecoin, you can say the exact same thing about Bitcoin. Right? You can't criticize Bitcoin. It's like if you live in a crypto glass house, you can't throw stones. But these guys are all talking about how you know, this thing is a joke. I don't, I just you know, don't, I think that's the where I, we're, me and you are going to have to uh, agree to disagree. On I, what? I, I feel What's like the, there's a certain level of technology that's built into to both Bitcoin and, and some of these other high level coins that have investments in the trillions that, you know, are palpable. Well, a lot of people have come in to support Bitcoin. But that doesn't mean they no, can't. No, I know, but that's not point. what I'm saying. I think there's proof of I think there's proof of use cases as long as blockchain and the the payment of pro, of products yeah. using cryptocurrencies is that's, is a is a doable thing. So that's it's, the other thing that's all ridiculous that Bitcoin has value because of proof of work, right? Because hey, the fact that I mined this Bitcoin, this is proof that I wasted all this energy creating this Bitcoin. <laughs> but I mean, there's no value just because you did work. I mean, if I if I spent half a day digging a ditch and then I spent another half of the day filling the ditch back up, right? I did a lot of work. Maybe I can prove that I did the work. I have images of the ditch. Hmm. And I so I worked all day, but at the end of the day, I've got nothing to show for it. I mean, the ground looks exactly the way it did. So just because I did work, it, it, it's the value of what you produce. Unless and, you found some gold down there. Well, they, yeah, well, but that's different. I'm just talking about digging well, because- So am I. <laughs> Because just because I did work and I hear a lot of people, you know, because you use energy to produce Bitcoin, they somehow think that Bitcoin represents that energy. No, it doesn't. The energy is gone. I can't liberate that energy from my Bitcoin. And I can't plug something into my Bitcoin and get that energy Well, just back. so you know, shift, they're working on it, okay? <laughs> but they're doing whatever, Bitcoin-powered cars, all right? Yeah. You're just fucking stuck in the whatever, golden era. Whatever energy we use to create Bitcoin could have been used to create something else. Instead, we wasted it creating nothing. Because you, you, there's a lot of work to create a Bitcoin. Brock Pierce is going to beat day, your ass. I hope you know that. <laughs> dude, 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 Brock was at the dinner. Brock was at the dinner and he goes, uh, he wanted to come on directly after you. Oh, on your on, on your podcast? Yeah. I, I, oh, he, yeah. We'll he, get him on. He's out sure. right now. He's out. Um, oh, he travels a lot. Yeah. You know? But he wanted to come on directly after you. And I think it'd be really interesting to have you guys. Yeah, we've got to have us on the same time. That's time. what we the should problem, You know, the thing is. <laughs> That'd be crazy. I mean, there's so, there, there that would so be gold. many yeah. crypto people around here. I mean, I'm like outnumbered. I mean, they're all No, over. I know. No, I know. You're I standing know. outside of his house. Like, no, look, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, buddy. They're the pitchforks and torches. Uh, but also, question, what if uh, the government, when they go along with Bitcoin, they use Bitcoin itself to emulate gold? What do you mean? Same way that we do with money. What if they give that the same leeway? So they that's kind of what he, that's kind of what he was saying before. He just said that a, a cryptocurrency that's backed by well, actually, government. What if, what if it does? What if it gets backed? Well, the, by the U.S. Government? government isn't going to want to do that because see, gold. The reason we went off the gold standard in the first place is because the government didn't want to be disciplined by gold because gold forces government to be honest. Correct. Because the government just can't print gold, and that's another reason why it wouldn't want Bitcoin because it can't print Bitcoin either. The government, you know, wants to be able to create money out of thin air because that's how it, you know, can pretend to be Santa Claus. Because when you're on a gold standard, you can't run these big deficits. You can't run the trade deficits. You can't run the budget deficits. So if the government wants to spend money, they need to raise taxes. They need to collect gold to, to spend it, right? Uh, government wants to promise people something for nothing. They can't do that when they're disciplined by a gold standard. So I don't think the U.S. government would go back to a gold standard unless they had no choice because everything was collapsing. But I do think, let's say a country like China, 
China doesn't have the reserve currency, but China is the world's biggest producer of gold. And, and they don't even export any gold. So what are they doing with all the gold that they're producing? Creating well, they're meaningful government. actual currency. So I think, I think they created NFTs for them. I, I think the Chinese government, though, they have an incentive to back the RMB with gold and say, hey, we've got a gold-backed currency now. And especially if they make it a crypto RMB backed by gold, we've got a cryptocurrency backed by all this gold in our vault. That is a serious threat and to a play the dollar, to the global right. community because they could become the global currency. Yeah, exactly. Well, guess, and it would have real value. You well, know, we we're we're gonna we're going to a dinner right now, and we're gonna pay for. You're going to pay with fiat. We're going to yeah. pay with ether. We're going to pay with the fiat. No, no, they're not going to take your ether. You're going to pay with. The, you're going to pay. I know the restaurant you're eating at. They're going to pay. You're going to pay nope. with dollars. Nope, we're going to Applebee's. Well, they they they're not going to take ether either. My kids like Applebee's though. <laughs> I'm actually a Chili's fan. It's my they favorite restaurant. They can't, they can't hear that. No, I can hear it. No, they, we can no, hear it. I know, I know they can't hear it. Who? Oh, them. Oh, because they don't have the head. Are you taking down. the dog? Yeah, he was he was listening to his breathing. Fuck this was a this was an huh? this was a great conversation. It's fantastic. It well, really was. Well, hopefully, you know, at, at a minimum, right? What all the people, if anybody is listening to this and they're in crypto, right? And even if they think that I'm wrong. <laughs> like this, oh, no! If anybody is listening to this, I just tackles the if you do nothing, at least do this. Take something off the table. Don't just go down with the ship. Don't have all of your net worth, like my eight, 19-year-old son, he's got everything in crypto. He got an he entire net worth of $200. He, yeah, he knows he's going to inherit money from me, so he's able to gamble. He's like, fuck it. <laughs> this is house money. And, and of course, look, the time to lose all your money is when you're young. Because Absolutely. A, you don't have a lot of money, and B, you have a lot of time to earn it back. And sometimes losing money is a very valuable lesson. So the experience is worth it, right? So, but there are a lot of people that are older that are got a lot of money in crypto. So look, you know, you gotta you gotta pare it back. You know, if you got big gains, you know, it's like you're in a casino, right? Take your winnings, put it back in your pocket, play with the house's money. Don't turn a big gain into a loss, right? Uh, and and so be be conservative. If if you want to keep some money in crypto, okay, understand, you know, maybe it'll keep going up but maybe it'll crash because if I'm right and it goes to zero, you lose everything. If, if I'm wrong and you sell some, well, you're still going to be rich with the stuff you got left. Don't wow. be greedy, right? On wall street, they say uh, bulls make money, bears make money, pigs get slaughtered. Don't be a pig. Don't hodl everything. Like those guys are telling you it's okay to sell. It's okay. If it goes up after you sell, right? Don't be so greedy that you have to get every last drop out of the market. I'm not going to sell until the tippy top because you're going to end up going down with the ship. (laughs) Awesome. But you know, you should do, by the way, uh, when the time comes, God forbid, when you pass away, you should hide your money and have your son mine it. When I pass away, (laughs) he's not passing away. No, he's sticking around, man. I'm going to stick around longer than Bitcoin. Oh, oh. Peter, 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 listen here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Impulsive. Well, thanks. Dude. Thanks for having me on. It's of course. A, very. Uh, it's not my typical audience. Probably you have a, opened me up to a whole new demographic. Good. But, you know, I do have a lot of young people that follow me mm. and if people are interested. Right. It's uh, one, of my, one, show. one of my friends tweeted at you today. I'll let you plug in a second. But yeah, yeah. One, one of my friends tweeted at you today because uh, we told him you were coming on. Yeah, yeah. He said, at Peter Schiff, you still think Bitcoin is fool's gold even after it being adopted by literal countries and some of the biggest tech companies in the world. 
Well, more, 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 more companies are ignoring it than adopting it. The problem is when any company gets involved, they blow it out of proportion, right? Because they want to focus on mm. it. But there's so many companies that have nothing to do with it. Mm. Uh, it's only a small number uh, that have actually that are playing around with it. But as I was saying on my podcast, I talk a lot about big economics, the markets, finance. I try to debunk a lot of the myths that are. Uh, uh, you know, permeated throughout the mainstream. There's a lot of really bad information uh, that is out in the mm, mainstream mm. media uh, about economics, about, you know, important subjects. And I think I have a a good way of explaining it that a lot of lay people that don't have, you know, a lot of experience can get these concepts and understand. Uh, I, I use a lot of analogies yep. when, when, when I speak. Uh, so you don't have to be an investor. I mean, I initially started a lot of this as a way to talk to my clients but now I have a very broad following uh, of people who aren't my clients. Uh, a lot of them don't necessarily have the money to invest with me, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm able to, you know, help entertain them and help educate them to understand, you know, the problems and to understand government's role in creating them. Because what the government likes to do is they create problems and then they blame the problems they create on capitalism or freedom. And then they say, you see, we need more government to solve these problems when government is why we have the problems in the first <laughs> place. And what we need is less government. And right now, the, the socialism is very popular among young people because the government has given capitalism a bad name because we, we, we preach it, but we don't practice it. And so I want people to understand what, what, what freedom means, liberty, capitalism, the principles upon which the nation was founded. So Americans actually understand their heritage and understand what this country used to be and what it can be, again, if we can succeed in limiting government the way our, the founders limited government. Because when you limit government, you maximize freedom. And when you maximize freedom, you maximize, maximize prosperity. Because oh. Americans, you know, we didn't always pay income taxes. At one point in time, there were no income taxes. There were no Social Security taxes. You didn't have all these regulations. We had freedom. And all of my parents, my grandparents, came to America, right, around 1900, you know, they started, my grandfather helped build the the the, the, the uh, Yale Bowl. That's how we ended up in the Haven. Oh, shit, classic. But, but so they all came here. They all came from Europe where they had a lot of government and they came to America where we basically had none. But my grandparents came here. None of them spoke English. None of them had any money, but there were no welfare programs, right? No food stamps, no minimum wage laws, no nothing. They just came for freedom and they worked and they built lives for themselves. And they came by the millions to America for nothing more than to be free and to be left alone from government, right? What we have now, this big welfare state came much later. And that's why America is no longer the great country that it once was. And so young people need to understand that so that we can push uh, in that direction because we're gonna have this big crisis. We're gonna have this currency crisis, lots of inflation. The government's gonna come in with price controls. There's gonna be lots of shortages which is why I tell people to stock up on the stuff you're going to need now while it's available and before it gets more expensive. But the government is going to blame it all on a failure of capitalism. And we need a lot of young people to know that that's not the reason, that all the problems that we're going to go through were created by government. And the only way to solve them is to get rid of government and to restore freedom again. Anarchy. And then we'll be able to rebuild the country. Not anarchy. Just no, no. I, look, there's some, right. like, look, hey, look. Like we mentioned, my son. He's like an anarcho-capitalist. He's gone like he I wants want to no meet government this kid, at all. To right? be honest with you, 
But and also, I, I want I, limited. I don't want no government. I just want I want government to be small enough that you can drown it in the bathtub, right? But I don't want there to be zero government. All right. Well, with the drowning and all, uh, my co-host or the host of the show is making out with this dog right now. It's been fun. <laughs> uh, listen to the fucking Peter Schiff podcast. Obviously. Yeah. So it's Peter Schiff podcast. You can listen to it on Schiff Radio, um, or on my YouTube channel. I put them up there. You know, I'm not doing, I haven't been doing the videos for a while. I'm going to start doing them again at some point. I did it a little bit. Um, I'm, when I get my studio built over in my my oh, backyard, yeah. I'll be able to go back to the video. But right now it's, I just put the podcast on YouTube. Join Got the it. club. Join yeah, the club, yeah. brother. I Guess will. what? It won't win you a streaming. Huh? <laughs> well, never mind. Thank you guys for listening, watching, and viewing <laughs> this episode of Impulse. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Peter Schiff, thank you for coming on. It's been great. It's been great. All Selling right, all my Bitcoin for gold. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. <laughs> lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.